for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Eric, you were just telling Arian you hadn't seen him since Belarus. So life's been good, I guess. Then. No, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I haven't seen Arian in a long time, so life just got acutely a little bit worse. Yeah, me, but... <laughs> turned around for you around 2017. I can't remember, Arian. Did we see each other in Calgary? Uh, I mean, I was there. I'm sure we we ran to each other at some point. We were clearly very memorable to one another. So, yes. <laughs> exactly. No, so you were both. I know you guys were both there in 2018. I remember you both. Yeah. I don't remember you both at the same time in the same room, but I I guarantee you were both there. Yeah, but also back then, 2017, 2018, I was the sub junior junior team coach. Uh, Susie was the open, so like you know, I wasn't as involved with that team. Yep, and I was pretty much just showing up for the open to coach Bryce and then handle it, help and, with and, a few New Zealand lifters. Yeah, and remind us how how Bryce did that year, sir. Twenty eighteen. God, that rings a, a minor bell. Um, most of my memories are me blubbering and crying and hugging Bryce more times than he was comfortable with because he won the world championships. That's right. So, yeah. You damn right. And that was the um, heavily hyped battle of the one hundred and fives too. That was a fucking mm. crazy year. Um, it was and, good times. Every in two thousand seventeen, I think, was that the year that you were shirtless in the club and those pictures were released. It was minor scandal for KOTL when those got those came back. Twenty seventeen oh, is when I heard um, that Ryan Lapidat on the live stream said that the U.S. coaches went to the jury to protest Sean Noriega's call right. against fellow U.S. competitor That's John right. Deuce <laughs> That is right. Throwing Adrian under the bus and there were phone calls made now People he's calling like, me adrian adrian Arian. that's our kotl partner but um arian under the bus and there was like phone calls made off of what i said and like that was not, not, controversial not, shit. not phone calls but i did get an email maybe that same night or the next day from someone usapl higher up saying hey what happened in this session this is what we heard yeah. <laughs> tell me he myself. got it wrong tell me he got it wrong but um the jury jumped in themselves right yeah, I mean, it's funny how people say like, oh, we should have video re- video reviews at Worlds. And I'm like, they've been having it at least since 2017 because the jury watched the video replay on their TV, on their jury table, and on their own decide to overturn the call without anyone coming up. Yeah, you found out. <laughs> I would say that too if I if I caused the biggest scandal in USAPL history. So. <laughs> Is that really the biggest scandal in USAPL history? I can well, think of well, a couple of them. Yeah, absolutely not, but we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This is going to turn this turns into a spicy podcast where all of a sudden we're like, well, Leo, yeah, let's go down on our scandals. There's always like a... three minutes into it and we're already shooting shots. That's right. There's always a, um, someone who like will run into the live stream and see like one of us go to the jury and if they get a shot of it. Like I think it was 2019, someone got like a screenshot of the live stream of me pulling money out of my pocket to put on the jury. Like, like oh my God, the coach cash. is driving in the jury. <laughs> Well, explain that for people who don't know, because this, there's been a couple of pictures like that floating around. 
Yeah, I mean, it's in it's in the rule book that if you're protesting a call, you're supposed to put up uh, money, 75 euros or equivalent, like 100 US, so that it's not like NFL or other sports, we have a set number of challenges, you can go as many times as you want. So to stop that, you have to put money down if they believe it's a frivolous uh, challenge, like you're just doing it to be annoying or whatever like that, then they'll keep your money as a way to punish you. But if they think that it's a legit protest, whether you get the right call or not, they'll just give your money back. So it's not like we're bribing the jury or anything like that. We're doing part of the process. And every time I've gotten the money back, how many euros to be, you to, be to be to be clear, that's only if you're protesting someone else's lift. So if someone gets two whites and a red and you want to try to turn that into a bad lift, mm. then you got to throw the money down. If you if you get one white and two reds and you're protesting against your own lifter and you want to get it turned into a good lift, that's um, that's free. I yeah. leave the money there anyway in those instances. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes that's, that like right. <laughs> approaches, they're like, this is another, for another lifter. And you yeah. yeah, you don't have yeah. to do this for your own lifter. What are you talking about? What's this? I don't know what you mean. I'm just going to leave I, this here. I got to go. I think you dropped this. So, um, I found yeah, this like, flaw. So you put it on the table. Like, it's not my money. It was there when I got here. I think that's <laughs> yours, sir. Thank you for your service. <laughs> but That's right. But yet, at, at nationals and other levels, sometimes they ask for the money. Sometimes they don't. At Worlds, they pretty much always ask for the money. Sometimes they ask for the protests like written down as well. So like when I was protesting against Maria T at Worlds on that final deadlift to beat Meg Scanlon. You fuck. They're like, sorry, like oh, sorry. we need you to we need you to write your protest down. So I'm like rushing on a piece of paper and writing down everything like because like, you know, it's the end of the competition and stuff like that and putting it down. And like we had already protested it and then they were like discussing it. They're like, oh, then write it down. Then I wrote it down and protested officially with the paper and the money. And then they discussed it and they, they still didn't return it. And they took your fucking money. <laughs> They're like, we're drinking tonight, fellas. <laughs> They're like, thank you. Did is on me. Let's do this. I'm pretty sure I've seen someone throw down a credit card before like they didn't they didn't have the cash on hand and yeah, they just they just like pulled out their wallet threw down a credit card to as like a, a bond or something i guess um, yeah Venmo. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now accepts bitcoin yeah can i just paypal you real quick like yeah exactly the guest was like how much room is on that fucking card are you kidding me i need more than this show me your bank statement Pull your credit your score is terrible come on <laughs> that's right yeah. I seen what you drive on your Instagram. I'm not impressed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do here, um, fellas. We're here. At the uh, Kiwi Nation hosted the Commonwealth Championships, and we just had on. I don't know. You guys tell me who. L let me ask you right now to kick it off. What do you think was the star performance of the Commonwealth Championships? It's a very easy answer. I think. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Eric. I would say it was me coaching two M2 <laughs> lifters in the bench-only competition to gold medals in both the 83s and 93s. I think that was yeah. undisputed as, as the best part of the Commonwealth Champs. People have been talking about it. Uh, I've been seeing it tweeted. That was a cool moment. Yeah, very cool moment. Yeah. I saw Elon Musk had to remove the tweet because it, you know, got, right. it, people yeah. thought it was it was bots responding to it. It was so yeah. received. So it, people, I don't listen. I don't throw around the word legendary very often, but that was a legendary performance, and I wonder that's why you're here. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> it's why you're here. Um, no, in all seriousness, Carolina Tongotia brought down the house. That for for anyone who does not know, uh, the 76 kilo class. There was the 76 kilo class, and then there was Carolina doing what inevitably resulted in breaking the world record by 15 kilos, which. If those who don't remember, that world record was 
fought over for winning world championships uh, last year, or rather this year, you know, with, with Jess and, and Agata Shitko going head to head. And it being so tight on body weight that Jess had to pull a all-time women's record in IPF deadlift to tie uh, Agata, who got the world record because she got it first to only oh, win yeah. on body weight. That's right. Yes. And they were pretty far ahead of the people behind them. So to me, this is like, how do you break that by 15 kilos? It's just, it, it honestly, it was, it, you should have seen it. It was electric in there. It was pretty wild. And I, I don't know if Rory disagrees, but that's what I thought was by far the most impressive thing. Uh, no, that was oh, without a doubt, my favorite moment of the competition. Um, just like records and, you know, world or, or Commonwealth records on every discipline huge performance overall like head and shoulders ahead of the next 76 kilo lifters arian are you in agreement, sir yeah definitely and i was looking up the the records while eric was talking and uh at the end of 2021 jess had it at 563 kilos so in one year it's gone from 563 to 600 that's that's huge progress and, and numbers that people maybe didn't think about like it was possible i think like even when you had like Angelina on like maybe one or two years ago and she was talking about 585 we're like oh man 585 that's crazy yeah. now we're at 600. I remember that we had Angelina Livakova on and she was like I don't know I'm thinking maybe 580 something we were like holy fuck are you serious and this was um I think this this wasn't going into 2022 obviously it was I think it was maybe it's going into 2021 I can't remember which one it was and I think she ended up going up to an 84 anyways but um yeah I mean it's, it's crazy how quickly I remember talking to Jess. She was flirting with the idea at one point of going 84. I can't remember the, at the timeline now. And I remember telling her and she's, you know, I could always come back down or whatever. And I remember somewhere in the conversation saying like, things change so quickly. And you, while you're here and the getting is good, you dig in and you collect what titles you can and then if when all said and done, you move on. And um, in 2021, it appeared as though it was Jess and then everyone else. Even when hmm. Angelina from Russia was there, it was Jess and then it was Angelina because Angelina was was behind, um, particularly in the international stage anyways. Uh, I know she had done well at the Europeans, but Jess had it on her, if we're honest. Fast forward one year and holy shit, Agatha, who is the world champion in equipped and then Jess, the world champion in classic. And now you got Carlina who's the world record holder. And then you got in the juniors, Laura, who's the world champion junior. You have like world champions, world record holders all in the 76. It's the hottest class. And to leave yeah. the 76s now would be crazy. Mm. It's probably worth pointing out that um, Agata Shiko has the highest good lift points of an equipped lifter in the IPF like without any qualifiers right um and wow. so then jess class of course that, that that's equipped and then classic jess neck and neck carlina potentially ahead um like mm. that class is hot right now it's the is this is the 76 is the hottest let's start with the women's but possibly men's as well 93 is a rivalry but is it the hottest or what do you think i think the 76 and the 93s are are the classes and I think to, to, to put on my slightly sciencey hat for a moment, when you think about if you get a large enough group into powerlifting, which I think we now do have, 
2022. And we have had maybe the last three or four years. And the whole reason we've added weight classes to the women's side is you're going to start getting a, you know, a bell distribution that's larger and you have more participants in some of these kind of like light, heavy middleweight classes, right. Where there's just more people. So it makes sense to me that just considering like the average weight of, you know, a male and a female in the world. And then if you put some kilos on that from being jacked, that you yeah. would expect it to be right around these areas, just about, you know, a, a minor difference between the two sexes because of height for the most part. Um, I, uh, I'll get the other fellow's impression as well. 57's arrival, I think to an extent as well, but, um, talk about that in a second, but I was just, when I, we had Carlene on, we were talking about how when the 72s were getting split, there was debate. Do you split the 72s? Cause 72s were absolutely stacked as well. If, mm-hmm. if we remember the 2019 worlds from everyone from Isabella to Kimberly Walford, Jess, obviously. And, you know, it was a stacked division. And it was like, did you split the most stack though when it's the most fun? Or do you throw it somewhere higher? Like the 84s to 84 pluses can be a massive gap. And my God, was that a good idea? Because the 69s, especially with Leah saying, I'm going 69 for for Sheffield. And um, you got Chandler Babb, Marta Jenner, and more. And then in the 76s, say less. It's just crazy. And Carlina was like, I was killing myself to make 72. And was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Jess, we already know, was killing herself to make 72, and we didn't know how how long she could hang on. Now look at this. You know, mm-hmm. and then I'll throw in Agatha. Um, it's That's where I think they bang on had it right. That, And I think you were right, dude, when they were looking at not necessarily just where the biggest gap is to the next competitor. Well, there's a huge gap between 84 to 84 plus competitor. Sure. But is the talent pool there? In the 72s, it was stacked. If we split this, do we have enough talent for two weight classes? Look back and like, that's a fucking yes. Mm. (laughs) What are you saying, Rory, Arian? What are you guys thinking for the most stacked weight class? On the women's side, I'm going to agree and say the 76s. Um, And probably a a little bit behind that, but but my next most stacked, I think we'd probably say agree and say the 57s. Mm Mm-hmm. Arian? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe in the future, like the 69s would have potential taking over the 57s. If we can get like a Chandler, Leah, Marta, Corolla, then you get that 69s to be stacked. Um, but definitely the, the 76s. And like Eric said, like there's, you know, a little leniency on either side. So maybe 69s and 76s going forward would be the most stacked. And on the men's side, like there's other weight classes that are stacked, like let's say the 83s, but really like Russ is the guy who stands out. Like Delaney, Sean, these other guys aren't on Russ's level. But the 93s, like between Chance and Emil and Kaiko and even Gavin has done more than the world record total before. It's just stacked where any guy could win any day and any guy could break the world record total. Yeah, I feel yeah. it. From that. And there's some people coming into the 93s who are pretty good. I don't know if you guys are paying any well, attention to that. Old names have come back, my man. Old names have come back. How is the comeback uh, going? Bryce, obviously, we had talked to about him before. A world champion. Um, I mean, he's had some phenomenal battles. The USAPL, he beat Ashton to win. Uh, go all the way to the Worlds as an underdog. Won the world championships as well. Whether it's battling Ashton Rouska at the USAPL or Christoph versus Becky at the world championships, my man can pull off massive upsets. Like massive upsets. And he's done it repeatedly. Like he's just like, he's done it repeatedly. So coming into the 93s, even if he's not going to be the favorite, because it's a stacked division, he's always got a fighting chance. 
Well, yeah, I Bryce started in the 93s back in the day when he was younger. Uh, and the big challenge for him back then was consistency. Um, and we've learned a lot. He's learned a lot. He's, you know, that was, we're coming up on seven, eight years ago now when, when that was, when he made the switch in, the, I think, 2016 to the 105s and started moving up. Um, and that was a really, it was one of the pieces to him being very successful. Some of the other things we worked on uh, was, you know, he started to really take a significant interest, uh, not just as a coach, but also as an athlete in sports psychology and becoming much more consistent. And fast forward to, you know, we were talking about Belarus and we were talking about Calgary. When you listen to the the live stream, he was called Mr. Sneaky in 2017, which I found hilarious because he snuck in and it was just like he went and got all his lifts. But then by 2018, 2019, he starts to get called Mr. Consistency. And I think I, I think that that's a, that's a I think a point of pride for Bryce because he was remembered as the person for a while who came into nationals, came into Arnold, came into the big meets, and all of a sudden he'd go five for nine and he'd be a hundred kilos off his training total. Um, and that's a thing of the past. And part of that was just navigating the weight cut, um, which obviously got alleviated by moving up to one Oh five. Um, but I think a much bigger part of that was just him having self-confidence belief and figuring out what type of environment he needed to cultivate internally to perform at his best. So now as we're coming down and he's gone all the way from one Oh five to 90, which he competed at in USAPL, and now coming up a little bit to 93, uh, the big thing we're finding is that um, he's not taking nearly as much of a hit as you'd expect from the weight cut. So a lot of that wasn't just related to his weight. I think if you guys recall, USAPL Nationals, he totaled, I want to say, 845 yeah. um, at 90, which is pretty damn good. Um, and in training, he's put up an 880 total in oh. just a, a high training you know, just if you kind of look at adding it all together, and that's not obviously single day. That's not, you know, comp singles, but you know, it's, it's training's training. And he recently qualified for PA Nats and we're, we're trying to figure out what's that right amount of how much we can cut. So we're trying to figure out what is, what's is the body weight he sits at. And I think 96 is probably just a little too high for him cutting down so that it's just too much of a cut that impacts performance. But I think if he sits around 95, that's a, a world of a difference for him than sitting at say 92 and cutting to 90. So um, if things go well, uh, I think he's going to be right there with the best, uh, 93s right now in the world. It's, it's crazy that, um, you have two people, two clients that are in the two hottest divisions. Are you yeah, the I'm, I'm on blood pressure medications at the moment. Um, <laughs> and they're not working. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 they bloated my face and i don't mm -hmm. <laughs> but um yeah it's it's uh it's crazy it's to enter the 93s right now even to get through pa nats you know let alone the world championships and you know pa nats will be an absolute battlefield with all these guys in there but at the world level mm. it gets no easier with guys like Karastev, um you know gustav sasha all these dudes are are right up there, especially Krastev has really surprised people with how he's brought it together in 2021. He was solid, but in, in 2022, he could win this thing, you know, mm -hmm. on any given day. Now, obviously in the Euros, he just bombed out somewhat controversially, but it was, he's up there. His strength is right up there, taking a silver medal uh, right in the hunt. And that's at the global level, but at the national level, man, Gavin Aiden, Gavin's back. He's, he's off the USVI. So he's there. Chance, Keiko, and um, 
Is there anybody else I'm forgetting? Mr. No. Sneaky. Mr. Sneaky's coming. <laughs> like we had, we, had, in. we had discussed maybe Brandon Petrie was interested in coming over, but he had posted, you know, recently that he's not going to switch. Um, but now people have Bryce to worry about, which, you know, I'm guessing they all seen the result now that he's qualified and, and they have to get ready for him in three months. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing is, um, you know, it, at the very least, he's, I wonder, do you think it was easier cutting down to 90 than going back up to 93 and just collecting more data points? Or do you think if he would have just went 93 the whole time or I, you don't know until afterwards, obviously. Right. But what do you think? And did that help at all? Or I, it's challenging to say, cause that wasn't necessarily a decision that we got to make with full information. Um, there was still a very, confusing landscape of what was going on with the federations weight classes that were they were going to be you have to remember that bryce you know the decision to go down from 105 to 93 that takes time and we're not going to rush it and crash diet him right so mm. we did it slow and steady we did it in such a way that um the the hits on strength would be more psychologically palatable because that's a it's a tough thing to be like yeah i can total on a good day like 9 30 <laughs> to then you know coming down to, to potentially 100 kilos less than that or maybe not so um, a big part of for strength athletes for cutting weight is is reframing constantly and relearning your body. Like, you know, your belt gets tighter. The bottom of the squat feels different um, and focusing on the positives like, oh, my, my deadlift's holding on, even though, you know, my bench and squat are lower. And then for a guy like Bryce, who does best when he's internally motivated, that can be a challenge when you're then comparing yourself to your former self. And interestingly enough, you actually found some solace in going, you know, my training total is right there with with Keiko and Chance. So maybe this is good. You know, mm. so it's I think a lot of it is um learning different lessons of, you know, how, how do we how do we do this in a way that that it gives us a pathway towards sustainability. So really uh, I think the cut to 90 was done in a state where we were still figuring out what this split was going to look like. Um and ultimately I think we learned that getting down to a body weight where you could water cut to 90 it was just not great for a sustainability perspective. Like how much can you eat? Um, what do your behaviors have to look like? Um, and how much do you enjoy the sport versus feeling like everything has to be just a little too rigid and too careful. Uh, and going up to 93 for, for both of us, the, the decision was entirely based around what's sustainable and best for him as an athlete. What, what weight class is, is better for his mental and physical health and performance. So that, that is ultimately what it came down to. And I think the the positive side effect, although it wasn't intended to answer your question more directly, Ryan, is that we learned what was a little too much by getting down to 90 uh, and then coming back up. So it, it could have been just a process of how long it took to get there as well. There's a lot of inter- intersecting factors here. But I, I think just based upon where he used to hang out and how things went going up to 105, that I think 90 is just you know, just too low. Bryce is a meat nugget. You know, he's built like <laughs> he's just he's he's very broad. He looks like a ninja turtle. You know, like he does. This yeah. is true. He's a meat nugget. That's very well yeah. said, sir. That's very well said. Listen, <laughs> three kilos can make a world of difference as well. You're allowed three more kilos onto your frame. The amount of food you're going to eat, the the, the strength you're going to feel, even getting under the bar when you lose a significant amount of weight, you feel small initially psychologically yeah. it's very difficult and, and unracking on the bench and everything. So to an extent being smaller at 90 and then psychologically being, I get the bulk up 
it yeah. definitely helps. You definitely, there is a little bit of rebound there. There is a, so we'll see what happens. And then the 93 is going to be great. It's, is, um, who's, are you going to be there to handle them or who's going to be handling them in PA? We shall see, you know, it's, that has, every time I've, I've handled Bryce, it's been a little different. So in 2017, I was technically a coach for USAPL and I had to get a letter from NZPF to ask permission. But then in 2018, I had to be a coach for NZPF and then get permission from USAPL to be a foreign coach handling a U.S. lifter. Oh. And now it's not even USAPL anymore. So I I don't know. We're going to cross that bridge probably a little closer when we get to it and figure out what I what I need to do. Um, so, yeah, I don't have uh, necessarily, I, you know, as, as I am American, but I've been basically just a part of the NZPF for the last decade. So I'm uh, a little disconnected from what that landscape looks like. So I'll probably have to, shit, maybe Arian can tell me figure out what, 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 what do I need to do, you know, to, uh, to, to be there. And, and obviously Bryce will figure that out and talk to them, but I, I actually don't know what that looks like yet. And you will be there though. You're planning to be there. I would love to, we're going to just have to see how everything shakes out. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been, you know, lockdown related issues or, right. or just travel schedules, but I am doing a lot of travel next year. I'm personally competing in bodybuilding. So, uh, I'll be running around shredded anyway. Unable to effectively coach, so it'd be great for Bryce. I'll be starved, half asleep, and make the perfect attempt calls for him. Yeah. It'd be great for Bryce. At least right. you both can starve together. Exactly. Well, that's true. So, well, yeah. that's true. Well, we are here for the Commonwealth, fellas. At least, at least in part. Let's talk about it a little bit. It's a look. It's an international event, and we all know this. And I was we're just talking about some of these countries, and I just want to rattle off a few because for some people they might be surprised especially some of our american listeners who might not even know about they're not obviously america's not part of the commonwealth but we, we're talking england new zealand canada australia um even places like south africa india i mean it is a true global event um and i mean places even like Guyane, we have a we have we had lifters we had a pretty good spread at this championship and looking at the footage coming out of it holy smokes did they pick a good venue and that place mm. was packed and rocking for some of the performances especially carlina's um what was the vibe here gentlemen did you expect this kind of turnout and these these amount of nations there was some interesting factors that went into the whole setup um i think initially the committee was really surprised by the number of entrants from some countries um like uh, i think sri lanka and india had a ton of lifters that were entered and uh i think some of the committee members are unsure if these were like are, are this going to happen do they need visas what kind of support do they need um one thing i can say is that this was a huge logistical undertaking and the nzpf and everybody involved including rory lynch right here deserves a big shout out for all the work they've done um i would say this is an unqualified success having been i actually competed in the 2013 commonwealth champs that was in auckland <laughs> no almost shit. 10 years ago yes this was back when my total which is pretty similar to carlina's except i'm not a female 76 <laughs> um was considered good enough to, to compete in an international stage so the sports changed i'm only allowed to coach people now uh, never will I compete at Commonwealth at this level. The, the sports advanced too far, which is a great thing. Uh, and I'll also say that the NZPF has advanced a lot because to be as nice as possible, I would say they weren't as well prepared nine years ago as they were this time. This was a seven-day event. 
Um, and, you know, from the NZPF president, Paul Clark, to Darren Neves, to Amy Christensen, to Evie Corrigan, who handled a lot and actually competed in the comp, to John Strachan, uh, to Rory, to Jason Clark. Uh, there were a lot of people who were really doing a lot of work to make this happen. Um, Donna Yee Lee, who also competed, uh, Thomas Delamore, taking pictures, doing the live stream, all that good stuff. Rory, is any shout outs I'm missing here? Uh, I can't think of any additional ones off the top of my head, but like just, just to put it in a little bit of perspective, this is one of the largest international meets ever run. Um, so we pulled off uh, Open IPF all of the biggest international meets for the like the, for as far back as we could find, um, and this was the seventh largest meet in IPF history. Um, what? Um, yep. And and the largest non world championships ever. So there were I want to say six hundred and twenty seven unique competitors in this event across uh, free lift, bench only, equipped, classic men, women, all the weight classes, Special Olympics, um, everything. Um, and so at the only meets that have been run that have been bigger than that uh, internationally, of course, there's a few USAPL nationals and stuff that were a little bit bigger as well. Um, but uh, internationally, the, uh, the other meets that are on comparable scales were the world championship, the classic world championships before it got split into uh, masters open and juniors. And like, and I want to say the bench press world championships from 2019, like those are the only other meets that have been even comparable on, on scale. And um, debatably, the bench press world championships is a smaller meet because it's one third of the amount of lifting per per person, right? So yeah. this is well, bigger than euros. Yeah, I think in it was, terms yeah. of number of competitors, significantly bigger than euros. Yeah. Wow, Ryan, it hit me when I was coaching in that bench only session. So it was M two bench only, right? So you're thinking like a handful of people, right? right? So there was three flights, A, B, and C. The M2s were in C flight. There was 15 lifters, and I was handling two of them. And on one case, I'm throwing down a change card so that the lifter in New Zealand can win on body weight in the 83s. And I'm like, this is the M2 bench only, right? I'm throwing change <laughs> cards. You know? So it was <laughs> – I was like – this this is big, and there's two platforms that are that are running simultaneously. So you know, Rory is is running back and forth between the two. I'm coaching in that room, uh, and I did relatively little coaching compared to some of these other coaches who were there, like Jason, John, Kevin Strachan, um, Evie, uh, Carly, Don Basabas, who works with Carlina. Um, there there was there was a lot of coaches just for Team New Zealand. And there was a lot of other people. The, the Canadians were awesome. There was 30-something from the Canadian team that came out. Um, they had a really big showing. So it was it was a very big meet. It, to me, it felt like Worlds. So it was it was pretty large, obviously with a few missing countries, of course. But, but in terms of scale and pace, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's cool always when you can have, like, people from around the world all converge into that one area. Like, when you show up, when you're at the hotel – and it's like all everyone from all over the world's there talking different languages and different backgrounds. And then you show up at the venue and the flags are hanging from, from the ceiling and it's all the national teams there. And it's like, Holy shit. Carlina was saying in the, in the past episode, um, the, it, it was, it was entirely different. Like she, she said like this, it keeps leveling up. Right. And her family was there and the feeling she had, she, even she was doing some volunteer the day before she lifted. Um, so I like, that's another thing where I don't know if this is unique to what's going on in New Zealand. Cause a lot of times federations have a really hard time getting people to volunteer and people just flake out on them and whatnot. But 
it seems like everybody was stepping up. I mean, Evie did all of that and she was competing. Yep. Yes, she did. And she did well. Um, She did do well. Just Yeah, honestly, just a a huge shout out to all the spotters, loaders, the referees. There was a tremendous uh, showing out, not only just from the NZPF, who is honestly, I've just been so impressed with everyone who has given their time freely up. Uh, and, and all of not only NZPF but also the uh, the regional uh, affiliates that we have who who came together to make this happen. They did such a good job. Um, we had we had an awesome banquet. We had an awesome opening ceremony. Uh, I think it was really cool for people to get uh, some some aspects of, of New Zealand and Maori culture so they could see what that was like. I'm, I hope that was a really cool experience for all the uh, international people who came. And yeah, there was people who were competing, volunteering multiple times. Um, yeah, so I showed up to handle my bench-only lifters, and the lifter I'm handling in the 57s is there taking, you know, she, she gets me my my coaching bench. So, like, you know, she's competing in three days, but she's volunteering three days prior, and that's not abnormal by any means for that comp. So, yeah. So Carlina was saying she was volunteering uh, the day before, and I think she was, like, selling T-shirts or something like that, and she was yeah. like, all right, this will be all right. I'm not being too physical. It's day before. But she said what she didn't anticipate and you don't because you don't know the hype that's building around you until something like this happens. Everybody she talked to was like, you going to do 600? And she's like, ah, <laughs> shit. And she was trying to be cool. It's the day before. She's like, I wasn't nervous until like you get there. And all of a sudden, everybody, everybody grabs a t-shirt and be like, you going for the world record? What are you doing tonight? And he, she, she's like, ah. Like, you're trying to relax. She probably got asses. Like, you know, when you're trying to da- unwind a little bit, probably got asses like, dozens of times but on the flip side um she's like it was the first time that she was representing new zealand at this level um and i think she felt like the hype that was around her especially with the not only is she in possibly the hottest division of being the 76s and jess and agatha came off definitely the hottest showdown from from worlds i mean it's tightly contested as it come one on body weight good to the mm-hmm. very last drop the last deadlift was the biggest deadlift we'd ever seen in ip of history in the women's side i mean that's it was it's a phenomenal showdown um so not only is she in this hot division knowing she's going to go against both of them but to be the first to cross 676s and do something historic everybody remembers when you're first flip side though she was like and it was international in her home nation. Family's there. Like everyone's there because it's mm-hmm. local. And she's like, um, those are some things that you can't necessarily prepare yourself for. Gravity's gravity, sure. But if you're ever gonna get checked, you know, have an international event, home nation, your whole family's there. Her family's like, What are you gonna hit? What are you thinking? Are you going for world records? And they were asking her all these questions, and she's like, I was like, were you nervous? She's like, shit, man. Everybody keeps asking you, what are you going to do? Are you going to cross? And everyone knew that the, the storyline crossing 600, um, what it meant for the 76ers, what it means for New Zealand to have another world uh, record holder, what it means for like the bigger picture, as well as a possible last ditch effort to throw in her casting call for Sheffield. It, there, it's one thing to be all be, you know, 945 nine, or 995, sorry. Um, or sorry, 595. Right. It's one thing that like, it's a world record. It's above what they did at Worlds. But it's to say 600, just 500 kilos away is understatement. The the amount of impact those five extra kilos would be to cross 600 is 
it's astronomical. It's huge in terms of the casting call. So during the day, she was talking about you know, some of the pressures in terms of um, when she missed her third bench. And it's like, holy shit, what does this mean? It's like, it's okay, we'll get the record. Yeah, but, you know, and you got to be first because if you miss it today, sooner or later, someone else is going to hit it. Someone else is going to take that 600. It's not special when you're second. You know, while I and it's the um, it's the conditions as well, like 595 at New Zealand Nationals, which great run event, right? I'd like to think that New Zealand runs really good events. This is a, a good example. Um, our referees are fair and of a good standard, like um, and so in New Zealand, doing a total at New Zealand Nationals is is great. But then you step that up and put that in a different environment, and like, yes, it's still in New Zealand, but now instead of being in front of some national level New Zealand referees that's in front of six international referees from six different countries, um, right? Three referees, three jury members, even a TC, let's include the TC, seven referees from seven different countries. Um, it's on a, it's on a stage in an auditorium, uh, you know, spotlights, like the whole, the whole environment is different as well. And so instead of doing it at a nationals physically, very similar location, but, but the whole environment has changed now. And yeah. that refing is, this is what we were saying as well. That 600, nobody can question. IPF International Standard refing is as oh. tough as they come. That's that's as legit as it gets, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That is as legit as it gets. If you're going to compare um, totals, people can you you can say sure, well, she didn't travel, okay, but you can't say yeah. But how is that that nation's refing? Yeah, but let's see her do it at an international. Re- well, she did though. That's a big uh, check mark by her in terms of confidence. When she goes to Worlds in Malta, she'll know, all right, I have faced this depth. I have faced these the bench calls. And that's one thing that she said it impacted her on the third bench. She's like, the we they recalibrated in her, the second she took on the day, which ended up being the only bench, the heaviest bench she got, was going to be her opener. That's going to be her opener. That ended up being what she walked away with in the bench. That's what you have. That's what you find out when you go to international competition. That's the chin check that'll happen. And um, and her coach, Dom, made the adjustment when he seen other lifters on bench being like, oh, we're lowering our opener. We need to get, I want to get at least two win. Let's get an easy one in. And then we'll do our that. And then we'll we'll take it from there. And good thing they did, man. This is this is the type of experience that she needs. Um, I want to ask you guys a question in regards to this. First off, yes unanimous decision carlina and we'll talk about the other the other lifters as well but let's stay on this one for a second unanimous decision carlina stole the show and is the biggest storyline coming out of the commonwealth obviously is it bigger because i asked her this that she wasn't there at worlds i know she wanted to be but is it now better for her even her that it was just agatha and jess and then she does what she did 600 in her home nation at Commonwealth. Cause I got news for you. You do that at worlds. It doesn't mean much at Commonwealth in front of your host. Nate. It's just an encore presentation. It's not the same. And the build of the rivalry at worlds and everything, when it's two people head to head, because it was what it was without Carlina there, Carlina does what she does and has her moment at Commonwealth. And now they can all sort it out. All three of them with a little bit more time and more story build. We had that rivalry, beautiful rivalry between Jess and Agatha. We had the moment in New Zealand with, with uh, the New Zealand star 
And now let's let it slow boil into 2023, whether it's all three of them of Sheffield or Malta, we know it's coming. Is that better, you think, even for Carlina? Even though she'd be like, fuck, I would have loved to have been in that. True. But would it have been the same? What do you think, Eric? I really like the way it's currently playing out, personally. Um, because right now, there's all this anticipation of whether she's going to get it. Like, who are going to get the spots at Sheffield? Which I think is cool. And if you ask me to bet money right now, I would say we're going to see a three-way battle at Sheffield between them. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, 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 that's tough. It's, it's, um, okay. Well, uh, what do you think, Arian? I was going to actually uh, ask you on the, the last podcast, but we didn't have time to fit it in, but I guess it goes Throw here it in. is whether we think Carlina gets in or not. And initially before this meet happened, if we go back several months towards like junior worlds before that, I was thinking SPD is going to pick the wild cards before Commonwealth happens because they need time to tell the lifters and how to prepare, get all the production ready and everything like that. But the more it was dragging on, they weren't saying anything. And then like Jad disappoints at Junior Worlds and like Marta pulls out of the Arnold and then Marta doesn't do well at the European as well as she wanted, everything like that. I'm like, man, this is all leading towards Commonwealth. And then Carlina goes to 600. I think now she's in. Oh, damn. Even giving predictions she's in it too. Um, Rory, what are you thinking? A, do you think she's going to Sheffield, I guess? Uh, and is it better this way that she wasn't at Worlds and everything played out? Right. I'll answer B first. Um, I way better for the plot that she wasn't at Worlds this year. Um, right. Like that makes that makes a way better story as a as an observer, as a fan of powerlifting. Um, that that makes it way cooler. Um, I think it's probably probably would have been better for her and her long term career to have been at Worlds this year. Um, I think getting that early travel that the travel exposure as frequently as possible is probably a good thing right um and so missing out on that is probably a net negative um but as a, as an observer this is way better for the plot i like this way more um in answer to the sheffield question if i was holding the sheffield wild cards and knowing that euros asians and commonwealths were all going to be in the same week and that they were approximately four months out from sheffield i would be waiting for that week to happen and probably what i would have done is i would have had a list of people that I was keeping an eye on and I would have either a per person or an overall criteria saying if this person or these people meet this thing they get the wild card so I wouldn't be going into it ad hoc and going uh oh, if Carlina does a good performance she gets a wild card I would I would have sat down sat down in advance and gone if Carlina goes over the world total uh the the world total record she gets an invite um if Panna goes over the world total and record he gets an invite. Oh, is that too soon? Is that a little bit spicy? Oh, um, but, oh you <laughs> son of a bitch. But I, I, I would have had the criteria pre-drawn and I would know exactly what I was looking for. And I would watch these events and go, these people met the criteria. They're getting the invites. And I and I would have those ready to go within a, within a week or two. <laughs> and I'm picking that Carlina going over the world record total was probably one of those criteria. And how big is it that she hit 600 though? Like in terms of a casting call, getting everybody talking. When she looked in the camera and said, I just hit 600, send location. It was like, boom, mic drop. It's 600. That's it. So what do you think, Ryan? I, do you think he's in? Or she's in? Let's let's you're take a look. You're saying 600 is that big. 
it's huge. It was pretty big on the day. I was trying to get close to her to shake her hand and 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 say that that was amazing. That was really impressive. Couldn't do it. I, really? I got caught on stage trying to reach around people with my hand and I got laughed at. It was great. No. <laughs> I got left hanging. There was she was surrounded. You had to pull your head back. Like, I can't leave it hanging this long. I got yeah, a I was only able to tell I was only able to tell Dom like like congratulations and I, I really hope you you know get the invite to Sheffield, but I wasn't able to actually get the little lifter. So, really? Because yeah. it looked yeah. seeing the videos, it looked like she got mopped. Um, yep. and it looked like people all over. <laughs> yep. Really? Yeah. She's like, what is going on here? She I mean, what is the hype like now in New Zealand? I, I remember the Brett Gibbs days, obviously, right? And I'm not saying I'm not trying to throw a crown on her yet, saying she's the Brett, she's Brett Gibbs, but she is the world record holder, if not the world champion, obviously. But is there that kind of push behind her right now? Like, what would happen if she walks in there in the hottest division and becomes a world champion? I'm just throwing out if Eric, I know this is your client. Believe me, I'm Canadian. Jess is my girl too. So don't worry, don't worry. But let's just throw hypotheticals here, just putting in perspective what this would mean for for New Zealand to have an open world champion all over again. What kind of an impact are we talking here, fellas? Does she have that star quality, you think? Are the people rallying behind her like that? It's hard not to. I mean, it's it's awesome. You know, she, she's, uh, she's, she's a gamer, you know? Um, she's not, I think, and I mean this all, all respect to Brett. Brett knows I love him. I think Brett struggled to get it together on, on, on the platform, and there was always kind of like, oh, if he, if he gets it together, like, he'll be awesome. But um, every time Carlina shows up, she does something pretty damn impressive. And I think it's going to be really cool to see her do that at the world level. Um, and sure, to give credit to what you're saying, she's she's untested after travel. But if I have to be honest, you know, like taking my 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 Jess coach hat off, I think she's going to be just as deadly internationally as she at hometown. I think she's she's a gamer and she seems like it just a she's an athlete, man. You can see it. So. Yeah. There it is. That's an honest critique. Uh, look at I'm same deal. I'm, I'm Canadian. Jess is our girl. The only, we got, she's our only world champion. And I'm I'd be lying if I wasn't saying like Carlina is a more than a massive threat. Like she's she'll probably come into this as the favorite. And that's not often. I don't know, fellas. Am I crazy? Arian Rory. Arian, you tell me they'll throw to Rory. Is Carlina the favorite coming into this? It, it's tough because yeah, she has the bigger number, but yeah, you're talking about like, okay, when's the last time she traveled was when she was with world powerlifting. And I think she went to Canada for like the world championship. Um, I don't know what her numbers were going in to see whether they're up or down. Um, but yeah, it's like, you don't have the necessarily as much travel as Jess, as much international or IPF competition experience as Jess, but you have the bigger total. And I think the other positive maybe for Sheffield versus world is that for Sheffield SPD is trying to get everyone there like early and so as long as she can take the time off of work and everything that she'll be there early to get used to the time zone and food and all that stuff like that. Whereas world, sometimes you come a little bit closer, um, but 15 kilos is uh, quite a big gap that I think you maybe have to say she is the favorite. Rory, what's your impression? I don't know if I can say the favorite. Um, like, like Eric said, she has the bigger number and that is, that's a great start, but like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use Jessica as the specific here, even though Agatha actually had the world record for Jessica's 585 that she did in South Africa. She traveled from Canada to South Africa, which is a really long way, and then she hit the 585, and and she cut weight, that, 
and she cut weight. And so that has to that has to be worth something, right? And and South Africa was a little bit of a hostile environment compared to some other places that you might end up lifting, right? Um, it was hard to get the food that you might want. It was, you know, like all, all kinds of stuff like that. For let's let's say Malta, uh, it's, Sheffield invite hasn't happened yet, so let's 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 say Malta. Sure. New Zealand and Malta are almost as far away from each other as it's possible to get on a globe, right? That is probably more than twenty four hours of travel for for Carlina. It'll be like you know, it'll be probably two stops on the way if she goes direct, and if she doesn't go direct, it'll be even more than that. Um, what's the food like? Don't know. How much time is she going to be able to get off work? She's a doctor and she's slammed constantly. Like, is she going to have to travel at the last minute or is she going to be able to get there a week or 10 days earlier and acclimate a little bit? Like, those are all factors that could very easily make a 15 kilogram difference. And like, I know she has traveled to compete before, but it's been a little while and haven't got recent data to know whether that is, whether she's going to hold up well for that or not. Obviously, as a New Zealander, I want her to. I would love for her to do really well, but that's a lot of factors sort of like stacking against the 15 kilo lead. No, I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter New Zealand or not. You see the variables and you're calling it like you see it. It's true. In previous, you know, competition that she would have been to, it's a major deal that it's different to show up to an event like that in an event where you're going against Jess, you're going against Agatha. And if it doesn't matter, Sheffield or, or worlds, the spotlight is going to be massive. I mean, the, we didn't even know about the other event she was in until like years later. And if you should like it, what the pressure it, it, it's entirely different. It's a whole nother show when you're at IPF world championships. Um, so yeah, I didn't realize it was that far from New Zealand to Malta. That yeah. is quite the freaking trip. Much more kind for Jess. Um, because I, Canada, uh... yeah, hop in here. Can, can I put my, so I took my, my Jess coach's hat off. Can I put it back on for a second? Let's put it back on, man. Put that thing back on. All right. So I got a lot of hats around me here. I had a scientist hat. I had, I had Jess's coach's hat. I had not Jess's coach's hat, which is actually just the absence of a hat. So it's really that's, just that's two right. hats. That's right. Is, is, but, uh, is bold a hair color? Um, is the question. You son of a bitch. Ryan has beautiful, fleshy <laughs> yes. colored locks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I will say... As much as I was giving uh, Carlina props for being an athlete and being a gamer, Jess is that 100% too. I remember we sat down planning out our attempt selection uh, for for Worlds. And we were like, okay, what do you think your top end is for deadlift? And both of us agreed, probably 255. Anything more than that, I'd be surprised to get it to my knees. So I was like, yep, I agree, you know, based on training and everything. So we know what happened there, (laughs) you know? Tell tell it though, tell it, because it's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, to, to have that kind of pressure on you, everything that Rory said is true about going to compete in South Africa is, you know, travel, food wasn't great, weight cut was a struggle, getting in the last few workouts that we had planned, um, monkeys stealing protein bars, that legitimately yeah. happened, um, you know, not not being able to get the food you expected, and then to be in a position where you have to pull not just a six and a half kilo deadlift more than you've ever pulled, ever training or competition, but also to deadlift more than any other woman has in the history of the IPF to tie and then win on body weight. Does, does it get more pressure cookery? I don't think so. And Jess went out there and attacked that shit. There wasn't hesitation. She was excited. Uh, she jumped higher than, than I've ever jumped. Even when I played <laughs> it was basketball insane. It was crazy. 
So yeah, talk about athlete. Holy shit, man. Yeah. I got up at, at 5 a.m. to watch that. And I remember whisper yelling, let's go at the the, the bottom of my lungs as, as quietly as I could to not wake up my wife when that happened. Um, found out that she did hear it. It wasn't that much of a whisper yell. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, Jess has got that too. And, and obviously a God it does. I mean, like, I did not know she had the highest coefficient at all of equipped powerlifting period in the IPF. So it's not like we have those interesting comparisons. Oh, we've got a natural talent who maybe is, you know, doesn't do well under under pressure versus the, the workhorse who always brings it. It's we have three incredible athletes who all seem to be able to bring it under pressure. So uh, I'm excited. I uh, I'm going to be at Sheffield coaching. So I really, I honestly, even though it's not great for Jess's pocketbook, I hope it's all three there because it's going to be awesome. So as a yeah. fan, it, yeah, it'd be crazy. Um, but I mean, it, whether, whether, even if it's just a rematch between, um, Agatha and Jess, it's going to be crazy too, though. Like that, that's your guaranteed fireworks, uh, 100%. I remember that deadlift looking in the wings before she came out and it was, the tension was fucking insane. It was um, standing room only. And the announcer said, this is the biggest deadlift in IPF history for the women. Like we've never seen this before. And she's not in the heaviest weight class. And they're they're loading it up right now. This is the biggest effort right now for the win. This is what we come to. You, you don't get a better, you don't get a better ending to this movie. This is it. And looking in the wings and seeing her, and I'm Canadian and I see... There's the maple leaf on her chest and she's about to come out and she's like, I seen her like getting amped up, like, you know, rising the power meter before she comes out and everyone around her. Yeah, exactly. That Hadouken's coming, baby. And the Canadian team around her is yelling in her ear, like, you telling, you know, you got this, you got it. This is for it all. This is for gold. This is bring it home out on your shield, on your shield. You hear them yelling in their hands and they're yelling. And she's just shaking her head like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're over her shoulders and you're seeing it and you're waiting and anticipating. And I remember feeling it being like, holy shit. This is fucking, this is what powerlifting's all about. This is one of those sessions I've been commentating 2016 and the amount of sessions, I don't, I can't even tell you. And that's one of the most memorable sessions I've ever seen in my life. Um, so whether Carlina comes or doesn't come and, and, and you could actually make an argument, Carlina not being there. So that 15 kilo spread isn't there. And all we have for storyline is five, eight, five and five, eight, five. That's how close it is. There is no 15 kilo conversation to have. That's how close it is. You know, I also like the three-way because it's got each lifter has their lift, you know? So That's you've got true. a deadlifter, you've got a bencher, and you've got a squatter. Um, so I, I just think it's 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 just a really interesting battle where they there are three different types of power lifters, all vying for that top spot, which is not something you typically see, you know. Um, so it's just it's just it's just cool, man. I'm excited about it. That's riveting I, stuff. I got a question for you guys. As far as like, if you were Carlina, what do you think is the more stressful path for next year? Do you think it's more stressful to meet up with them at Sheffield at like the biggest event where there's prize money on the line and they're hyping everything up and this is the first time it's ever going to be? 
or is that a little bit easier because you know if you get thrown straight into Sheffield and you lose, it's not a big deal. But going to Worlds for the first time, not seeing them at Sheffield, going to Worlds and having to fight for a World Championship against them first time ever is the more stressful thing. I think that's an easy answer. If you have to go to, I think going to both is easier because you have a you have a you have an option for redemption, right? Yeah. You get you build some experience. If things don't go poorly, it's not like oh, you know, it, it's it's immediately back into training on Monday. Like I'm going to get you, you know, I, it's, it's just later this year, but I think only having one shot, um, despite what Eminem would say an eight mile may not be the best, best option in this, this scenario. Um, I, I, first off, I love the random reference to Eminem eight mile <laughs> Rory. What do you say? He makes a good point there. I think, I, I think I have to agree. Um, I think it's easier to keep the, keep the fire on when there's repeated exposures, right? Like let's say Sheffield invites come out four months, right? Four months we can keep we can keep a strong focus on for four months. Sheffield's over. How long is it between uh, Sheffield and Worlds? Is it like another three or four months, right? Like right. so that's another three or four months like high focus. Whereas if it's six to eight months, like there's this thing happening, I'm not involved. I'm just sort of watching from the sidelines. A little bit harder to keep keep that focus, keep that fire. Um, and the other thing is that Sheffield is quite an unusual structure. Like you're competing against people in different weight classes. Uh, you're not competing based on total and you're not even competing based on good lift points. You're beating, comp- competing based on referencing to the world record. And so that that makes that event uh, a little bit more abstract in some ways. Like it's going to be great to watch, don't get me wrong, uh, but, but it makes it a little less... Uh, a little less head on, uh, although in this case it may end up being three women See, in the same weight class. But, yeah, um, I know what you mean for the for some people. I one hundred percent know what you mean for uh, you know, but for this case, uh, but there are there are side quests at Sheffield, right? Um, like it's not just you win and you get a gold medal. It's you break the world record and you get money. You break a different world record and you get different money, right? Like there's right. there's not just one thing happening. There's there's many things happening and different people are going to be aiming for those in different priority orders. Like I am, I don't know, but I imagine Jessica is going to be going for the squat world record. If um, Carlina is there, she's probably going to be going for the squat world record as well, but I guess it won't be. Um, and they're all going to be shooting for the total world record. And depending on, on how it plays out, like Eric and Jess at the very end, cause like they could be the final Delft or the women's group could be deciding, do you just chip the Delft record for the prize money for deadlift? Do you chip the total to like be more than Agata and let's say Carlino's there and, you know, get the total? Or what if you can pull a little bit more and beat Leah for the overall Sheffield championship? Now you have like a bunch of different numbers to work with you to figure out what your range is. And so, yeah, you may like, let's say, go for the overall win over Leah, miss and end up lower than Carlina and Agata. But that's not the true strength and how, how they would have played down if it was a world championship. I'm working on a spreadsheet. That's all I have to say about that. I, I was going to say, this is too, this is insane. And you got like 60 seconds to be like, all right. How, like, cause it would be, is Leah a possibility? It might be. And then if it depends on plays out and then it's like, well, how much am I gambling for Leah as opposed to Carlina? And that's just two, maybe it's only two kilo. We're here. We're here. You got 60 seconds to have this conversation. But if it's like, you know, we're already in the 560s for the, you know, 560 some odd kilo range. 
in his five kilos, it becomes more and more. Oh, let's let's just try to win this thing. We I would be shocked. Like obviously, the biggest advantage Jess has in this kind of showdown is she pulls last. That's why she mm-hmm. won worlds. You know exactly what you got to load the bar. If it's for the win, that's rather easy for you. But uh, to the point that Arian and Rory are saying, depends how closely it ends up. All of a sudden, like, frig. Yeah. That's a, tough, that's a, a toughie. If you have a bad day on squats and bench, then the, the chance becomes very, then it's very obvious. You know, we just we just shoot to the deadlift. But if you have a good day, then you have to really keep an eye on everybody. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, like I said, blood pressure meds aren't working. <laughs> especially with money like that on the line where you're like, Oh wow. That's a really uncomfortable, you know, dinner afterwards. If it's like, Oh shit. I'll I'll buy. (laughs) (laughs) You think that's exactly. I might've just cost you 5,000 euros, but I will buy you this burger. So yeah. Jess, Jess, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to pay for this. You go, you, you're fine. She's like, Oh, I I might have, I screwed you out of, you know, an apartment that you could have purchased, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. with this burger on me. Yeah. You, you have, <laughs> you have fries, whatever you fucking want tonight. You're Rory, are you, are you also planning on going to coach? Uh, I'm planning to go uh pathway on Claire at the moment. I was just, I was just wondering as far as like you guys from a coach's aspect, like, are you interested in, or is it exciting to like, go early to Sheffield and be there, be potentially part of like the interviews if they're going to like interview the coaches and stuff like that. Like, does that seem like, like more of a real sport to you guys now? I'm excited. Yeah. I, um, I have, Oh, I, I kind of already said this on the iron culture podcast, but I am where we got a big project for iron culture. And one of the things I would, I would like to do, I can't claim we're going to do this because obviously SPD is like, you haven't talked to us about that yet. I would love to, to like, incorporate that and try to capture what that looks like. And of course, SBD is trying to capture their own moment. So I'm sure there's going to be, you know, rights and licenses and like not trying to step on any toes or anything with that. But so, yeah, I, I love that idea. I think this is a, a, an historic moment in powerlifting. Um, and I'm excited about it. Uh, and I think we're still, I, like, I, I've only been asked by Jess to come. I, and I know from what she's told me that there's one coach per athlete, I think, that's currently what we found. Cause one of the things I was maybe trying to secure was to have one of the Canadian coaches there with her as well. But, uh, cause they've actually handled her on game day. Um, but like I said, this is a very unique meet. I don't know how much that's even going to be a benefit. Like with me trying to figure out a percentage over the world record and whatnot, but yeah, anyway, to answer your question. Yes. I love that idea. I think it's awesome. And I think it's great that, uh, the Sheffield is, is doing so much and big shout out to SBD for, for for organizing an event that has all that kind of press and opportunity to to build that interest no question leading into this um everybody should be trying to capitalize like from you know the training to boarding the plane at the hotel the vibe at the hotel hanging out with all the different international lifters and all the all the biggest stars are going to be there they'll have like who's who in terms of fitness, whether, you know, that are going to be there in the audience as well. Like it's going to be jarred full of people. So the opportunity to put out content, um, like I'm sure I, they, they might have some ideas of, okay, look at in this, these areas, we'd like it solely, but they also do want people pumping out content so that every, when people grab their phones on that weekend, all you're going to see on all your favorite social media people is Sheffield. 
you know, and it's it's going to be different. It is going to be special. This much I already know. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you're going to be there, man. It's been a hot minute. Was it 2018 yes. since I seen you in, in person? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard about COVID, but it kind of... <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was, that was something. Wait, what? what? Tell, tell me about this, Eric. Yeah, exactly. It's some kind of... It's, it's, I, 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 heard, I heard it called the pandemic. I don't know. That's right. That's, I was about uh, to say, oh, I hope geez. he said something controversial. <laughs> <laughs> and How to I get hope, King of the Lifts banned. Yeah. That's right. I hope it gets us flagged. <laughs> it, this, whole, this whole episode's gone. People are like, whatever happened to that episode? Well, I hope you had to be up there quick. But um, yeah, it's going to be... It'll be an intense moment. Um, and... If Carlita goes, two people from New Zealand would have been going. Um, I'm not sure if she, Evie's obviously already secure. There's other people who are vying. I don't know if he's done enough, but what are your thoughts on Tim Monagati did 800 kilos international competition, um, did this at the Commonwealth. What were you guys' impression? Were you guys expecting more, less? Was this probably what you were? he was looking for? What are we, what are we looking at here, fellas? So if we go back to my idea earlier about Sheffield, uh, about the Sheffield organizers SPD having sort of a criteria list of what they would, what it would take to invite people, I would have said that Tim may get an invite, a wildcard invite based on his performance from Commonwealth. And the reason I think that is that the original number was 95% of the 83 kilo world record, which is 799 kilograms. He went over that, he went 800, um, which makes this over 95%. Um, and the other thing is that they are aiming for diversity in the people that they invite, right? Like they're not looking to invite all American lifters or all European lifters. And as far as I know, they don't have an Oceania male yet. And I would say that Tim would be a great fit for that. Um, he, you know, he's had the total, great, great representative for New Zealand, representative for Oceania. I would probably like trying trying to take off my New Zealand hat and and my Tim's friend hat and put on my sort of like slightly objective neutral hat. We still got, I'm going to stop that metaphor. Um, I would I would say that he's probably a good person to take one of the male wildcard spots. Well, what was the total of that one? Was it eight hundred two point five? That one at Worlds two point five at that one at Worlds. Yeah, Delaney Wallace at eight hundred two point five. Now, obviously, Delaney has hit eight twenty two point five, so he's capable of more. But winning worlds was 802.5. Tim's capable of more himself. I think he's hit mm -hmm. either 810 or was it 810 as his PR around there? I think I think he hit 810 immediately after Delaney's like meet before before worlds, like like one week afterwards. Yeah, like purpose hit purposely hit two and a half kilos more. He hit 812.5 back in April. So there you go. So he's capable of more as well. So they they're still closely contested on any given day. And that's really one of the big things I'm sure Sheffield or SBD would want for Sheffield is like, look at records are great. And sometimes people come relatively unopposed and the gap between them and the person beside them is, is pretty big. All right. Let me, let me see smash them records. Carlene already proved, you know, you could put on a show and everyone's going to be go bonkers for it. So it's not, it's not for nothing. That's for sure. But you want that lightning in a bottle, like Jess, I get to, you know, Joy versus Jad. That's, by the mm. way, I think Jad, with what she did at Euros, 495.5. Again, 0 0.5 over Joy. Joy beat her 0 0.5 kilos at Worlds in a sensational battle that went right down to the last deadlift. And at Euros, 
Jad takes Joey's world record open total 0.5. And we're right there. 0.5 separates these two ladies. It's a, I mean, that's, it's as close as you get uh, besides obviously body weight, but so that we got to watch that. So when it comes to, I think SPD, you want people leaving that arena with as many showdowns head to head as you can, where it was right down to the very last deadlift. And if in the same session on the women's, you lock in Jess Agatha rematch, enjoy Jad rematch, you're almost guaranteed right down to the very last deadlift, two world-class showdowns, guaranteed on the women's side. So then on the men's, you try to fill it in with 93s, et cetera. And this is where I think they're going to start doing these style of matchups. Is like, So if on the men's, if they think, look at Tim, the, big, the biggest thing against him is world's, Open Worlds was probably your best casting call, calling card. You know, that was the biggest audition. And they and everyone knows it because everyone was watching. Jad and Agatha and Jess and Joy all put that show. So everyone's going to be like, yes. That's the only thing going against him is he didn't convince people there, which is tough. But... Yeah, so on that, I would say it's probably unlikely that we see another 74, right? Because is there anyone who is going to put that kind of show on with Taylor in the mix. Like, unless I'm no. missing something, prob- probably not, right? No. But but we, but we, it's likely or uh, possible or even likely that we see people doing that same kind of thing in the 83s and the 93s. So mm-hmm. if, if we were giving out wild cards, I probably wouldn't be giving one to anyone else who's in the 74 kilo class. But the 83s, the 93s, I would be stacking those classes. I would I would want two or three people from each of those classes. Some people at around the 800s and the 83s, people at around the sort of, 870s 880s in the uh in the 93s and that's the classes that i would be filling those out from 100 cosine yeah I was, I was gonna say i thought the the biggest thing against tim which is not a big thing is just that he's not close to any of the world records yeah you can have the battle head to head with delaney but as far as like the prize money and stuff like that he may not break any of the records and so it would just be you know the overall total with delaney but there's i think there's a lot of positives for going from now like there's no 59s in the 66s, pan out, unfortunately, disappointed. Um, 74s, there's no one that can challenge Taylor. Uh, 83s, uh, Anaharo, disappointed a little bit. Um, 93s, Krastev, disappointed. 105s, Anatoly, disappointed. They are trying. They were trying to bring Rondell disappointed, supposedly. That didn't go through. Um, so you have like a Jesus. I don't know if they can get a Ray through. And then you're looking at, okay, which 93s do you bring? And then can Tim's fit in there somewhere? Michael Davis is going to be... A contender though and then 105s the 105s is closely contested and those will come down to the very last deadlift and michael davis will push a mill norling um he did at worlds and he could do it again at sheffield and they might even win it that would be another avenue to take that i'm wondering if they do and the thing with the 93s they could gobble up a lot Tycho, yeah. krastev and and the champ right like chance like that could be two right there. Can and you then even throw Gavin in there if you just want to load it up. Grab Gavin. You could, he's done the world record as well. But, yeah, you could. Yeah, or you can just do like what Rory says. Like you bring a Tim, you bring let's say a Krastev and a Kaiko, and you bring let's say a Mikey, and then I guess you can fit Jesus and a not Ray, or you can maybe toss out a Kaiko and bring in a Ray. If they can get Ray, I think they're going to try to have the, the the super heavy battle if they can. I think that's 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 probably what is most wanted from yeah. everybody. I'm not sure if that's possible. I'm not sure of the status, but 
I, I would find that a hard hard proposition like it's been a little while since we've seen Ray do a really good total in competition and I, I would find it like if we're going back in the archives right but if like, I but if I want it really hard will it happen <laughs> um if you get out an, an amethyst and you hold it and you can focus your vibrations through the it's, crystal he's gonna put his SPD hat on manifest <laughs> power of attraction <laughs> but but in that case you could load up the 93s with like let's say you have chance Krastev, Kaiko, and you have Amar Kanani. So now you have guys who can break the squat bench Delph and Tolo records, similar to on the women's side with the 76s, you can just load up. Look, let's just stack everyone into the 93s. Um, if they're in 105, they can cut. If Tim can just like not not water cut, he can come up to like 88 kilos or something. Um, one only 93s on the men's side. That's it. That's only 93s. Only 93s. is signed up as a 93. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and Taylor <laughs> has to get over 93s. Dude's got to put on like 20 kilos. It's going to be great. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be all that. Yeah. The water cut is going to be phenomenal to yeah. watch. You don't want so to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus dies and Taylor gets diabetes that's, on the day. Right. So, yeah. That's right. Taylor's hopping the... onto the scale with a pizza and like eating it on the scale. <laughs> One thing I will say sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say, I, I think it was uh, Christopher's Bicky for World Games had the water load because they only had the home country extra spot for like the super heavy. So we had to weigh in whatever 105.1 or whatever it was. And he, he drank so much water that he puked after lands. You can gain, you could weigh a lot heavier if you take in a lot of water. Um, Jesus was on the podcast and he was talking about, and has me kind of half believing he could be a real threat to Taylor. He, if Taylor isn't 838.5 and he hasn't been 838.5 since, and he's been injured since if Taylor's closer to eight, and Jesus, with some of the numbers he's putting up, it's a lot closer than you might anticipate. If we crunch from numbers, are you crunching numbers right now, Rory? I'll keep I'm talking. Just looking, if up, you are. just looking up Ray's best total. Take your time. Who? Who's best total? Ray. What? What is Ray. it uh, for the world 11, record? 11, 12 or something. Make sure 11, it's the world 12, record. Yeah. Make sure it's the world yeah. record because I don't know if Ray did his best at at a world. Oh, that's record a good level. point. I know eleven twelve is his best total. I don't know if that's the world record. I Keep talking. I'll is. look it up. The okay. world okay. record. Take your time, Rory. Take your time because I want you to do it right. Eleven oh five. I feel better. Arians doing it. Thank you. I feel better. <laughs> he's doing. It. Uh, wow. I, Jesus okay. Was, I'll just. <laughs> Jesus was saying on the podcast he has to like maybe toll somewhere around fifty kilos more. Obviously, it depends on what strength Taylor comes in, but he's basing it off of like Taylor's current strength. Jesus would have to do fifty kilos more. So he was going off of what numbers he's hit in training since then, and whether he can get that fifty kilos more. He thinks he can. I mean, I think maybe so he's, he's a little he thinks he's got an eleven sixty in there. That's what he was saying, eleven fifty or something around there. Um, the sixty kilos at at that is. I was going to say I don't know which end. which which hat Rory currently has on since Rory was one of the platform referees during that session at Worlds, <laughs> and Rory just said he's going to Sheffield, but he's unclear of his duties. So maybe he'll be a platform referee again. Oh God, can you imagine? Red light Rory I shows up. Uh, da, 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 da. let's not let's not do that but listen listen here i'll say i this. was unpopular after worlds can you imagine after sheffield but listen oh. jesus also said he was injured um and there was he had actually mentioned it on the podcast i'm actually going to drop that clip Aaron, you you cut up that clip for me i'm going to drop that clip um so he wasn't even 100 percent. it wasn't just the calls he actually said on it he had issues making depth and lockouts due to this injury as well so he took some ownership on that just saying it's it's not all you know rory and the refs here he did um, just hit a 
413 deadlift. I'm watching it right now on kilo plates. Holds at the top. Grip isn't slipping. Looks like he has more in him too. So potentially, you know, he's 100% and numbers are heading up. Well, he's 100% now. His injury is long gone and and it's possible. He Look, Ray would be nice, but I think he's gunning for Taylor. I think he's gunning for the whole thing. And I think it's not as crazy as we think. And 50 kilos is big, but when you're already at 1,100, 50 kilos is not as crazy. Yeah, you find 50 kilos more and he's young. Even then, it doesn't need to be that he has the strength for the 50 kilos. He has to just be within the whatever the last attempt needs to be a regular jump for like Ryan to like sell it. Let's say he hits a 400 delf on his last attempt on a second attempt and he needs like 420 or 425 or something like that for a third attempt. So he loads it up and you're like, well, he's done 413 the gym. He needs to pull 420 for the win. Even if he misses, it's still like a storyline that someone was challenging Taylor. It wasn't just Taylor running away with it the whole meet. 100%. And um, so we're putting the pressure on Ryan here to perform rather than anyone love. else. Is that is that right? Correct. I hope you don't so, get performance anxiety, Ryan. I hope you, I hope you do well at Sheffield, Ryan. So, <laughs> yeah. He's training I hope hard. You do well at Sheffield. The truth is, I would have to do so much research and be ready for <laughs> you know all of this just in case. You know, you have like a spreadsheet, like, well, if this happens, I need to fucking have a storyline. If that happens, I need to. You I'll share ready. the spreadsheet with you. Then you can just put the totals that. in and figure yeah. out who's what percentage over which world it, record. I'll have another tab with my storylines attached. Yeah, man. I'll yeah, have put a virus quotes. on it. That's right. That's right. That's right. We'll come in ready for this. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, we'll see what happens with Sheffield. And speaking of, so Evie Corrigan also in the Commonwealth Championships, um, pulling, what is this, quadruple duty? She was volunteering, refing, handling, athlete. Coaching. Coaching. Yep. coaching. Yep. I will say, Evie, Evie had to organize all of the referees for Commonwealth Champs. Um, and there were a lot of people who didn't show up at the last minute. She was on the phone constantly trying to find referees to fill in for people who just decided they didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so, And she did an amazing job um, with that and then still showed up and put on a really good performance as well. Like, uh, incredible. Yeah, she went nine for nine. And uh, just big shout out to her and Jason Clark. They had a masterful uh, display of attempt selection. Uh, it wasn't her best ever performance. I think her best total is 476. She finished on 468, but it was a fantastic performance. She took exactly what she had on the day, and she actually finished uh, on a 205.5 deadlift, which is not only a personal best, but also a Commonwealth record. Um, and anyone who's thinking, hold on, aren't there higher deadlifts than that in like the UK? Uh, Commonwealth, interesting situation. Um, until recently, you'd have to actually take the act of sending in the record to get it certified, which people always forgot to do. So um, there are some European records, which should be Commonwealth records that aren't. But I, what I've heard from the great Frank Rory, correct if I'm wrong, is that won't be still happening moving forward. It's actually going to be just a more straightforward process of setting records. You do still have to apply, uh, judging by the Google form that went up on that I saw on Facebook ah. just on this. So uh, ah. I, I believe that is still the plan for the future. But as of right now, if you're listening to this, you broke a Commonwealth record, go find that Google form and fill it out. Don't lose your record because you missed the missed the time window. I actually um I don't forget, I don't know what the time right window is. At Worlds as a master, I broke national and commonwealth records. But I missed my window for national, but I got the Commonwealth. Hey, fuck, one's international, so I don't care. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll so take Eric it. is Eric is competing in the Commonwealth, and Ryan has some Commonwealth records. 
That's right. Yeah, you're both in the presence of two international great athletes. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. So um, um, I'm, I'm a North American bronze medalist. There was only three <laughs> people in the weight class, but I'm still a North American bronze medalist. He was look, on the podium. Look, I got a silver medal at Oceania's once. So like, oh. if we're comparing, oh wow, like... <laughs> this is quite the debate. So we are actually four extremely impressive international grade lifters. That's is what extraordinarily I'm extraordinarily mediocre lifters. Extraordinary. <laughs> With international experience, wow, man! Um, nicely done here. Uh, by the way, what nations? Let's take a look here in terms of the nation roundups. New Zealand did New Zealand sweep it on all of them? I got the women's up right now, and they took number one for the open uh, they, for the men and women. Yeah, op open classic men and women, and open classic uh, bench press men and women as well. Um, but but not the equipped, uh, I don't think, and not the juniors as well. Was that right, Eric? That sounds right, but I didn't look beyond the open because I'm a bad person. So <laughs> I, I have the anything, open, but yeah, I have the open women's. It's uh, New Zealand, England, then Canada, Australia, Wales, and uh, I'll bring us down here for the juniors. New Zealand, Ryan, Canada, before Scotland, we and... jump into the teams, there were some other pretty impressive performances. I think we should talk about. Let's hear it. Um, Let's hear it. So in the 52s, uh, Megan Lee Smith. Oh, yes, dude. Megan Lee Smith. Holy smokes. Did she hit a bonkers performance? Yeah, she took a shot on the world record, which was pretty cool to see. So um, I, I chatted very briefly to James Schroeder and he he lined out the numbers for me. He's like, we got a shot at this, you know, like and I was like, oh, shit, man, with the plan. Um, and she went three for three on squats. Uh, she finished with, I think, one sixty three and a half, which was a Commonwealth world record. Uh, she finished with a massive PB on bench, a comp PB of 90. I think last time, the heaviest she'd, she'd done at that point was 82 and a half. So she was in a great position to to go take a shot on that world record with her deadlift. Uh, for those who've been paying attention, she sometimes struggles with up-down commands in her deadlifts, and she's missed a few openers. Unfortunately, that did happen again. She got a blue card on her opener at 170. Um, so she took it again in her second, got it. And then she would have to go for 185 to chip the world record total uh, to take a shot on um, Naomi Alibert's total of, I think, 438 to go 438.5. And she got it to her knees. Uh, she had, she went for 181 and uh, sorry, 185. And it just didn't quite go. And uh, it, it was close, though. I think her personal best is 181. So it was it was really, really uh, cool to see, and it was pretty sweet to see that she was that close to, to a world record. Um, she's been improving really well. Um, what was kind of cool, though, was that was a little more of a battle than I expected it to be between her and the, the silver medalist, Kavishi uh, Karya Wassam. And apologies, Kavishi, if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Uh, but she's been steadily improving, and she actually was in a position because Megan Lee Smith got stuck with 170 to try to deadlift to take the gold. And she got a little closer to locking out her deadlift than, uh, than than Megan Lee Smith did for taking the world record. So Kavishi went for three for three on squats right behind her with 160 and a half, which was temporarily a Commonwealth record. Uh, she got 75 on bench, very respectable bench, but that's where she fell behind. And then she tried to pull for gold for 190 uh, after opening heavier at 172.5 and getting it. And she got it just above her knees and was, was shaking. And so she almost snuck in and and snagged a, a gold uh from from megan lee smith and they're both new zealand lifters so i think uh definitely keep your eye on kavishi because she's still early in the sport she's improving she's working with dom so so a coach who's worked with a lot of high level lifters uh, obviously carolina and others 
So I think uh, we can expect the 52s to get a little more complicated for Megan Lee Smith here on her home turf. And first off, in terms of Megan Lee Smith, a former junior world champion, she had missed her opener with 170 and had to jump up to 185 and finished off the day with a 423.5 kilo total. Now, Mm -hmm. if she didn't miss that 170 on some technical errors, she had to retake that weight on her second. Let's say she got one set because obviously it's not a strength issue. Let's say she got that 170 on her opener and she got something in between. Instead of a 15 kilo dump, she, she did a 17 or sorry, a seven and a half kilo jump to her second. You could throw on seven and a half kilos onto her total right now. M- relatively safe deadlift for her. That was the plan she had mentioned in the caption on her Instagram. And we're talking, mm-hmm. she's looking at a 430. Now, her being yep. in the 430s there gives an indication of what her top end is. That is a phenomenal total. You know, when when we talk about the 52s, in, or sorry, we talk about the 57s and the 76s, the 52s are, we're getting right there, though. The women's division in powerlifting is so stacked. Because when you look at the 52s, obviously, you got Plun. Saka from Serbia has just reemerged and is now in the 420s as well. And she had a gym total of 435. Um, you know, after she had podiumed, I shot her a message and I was like, because she heard our podcast and had, re- had replayed me and Arian bumping her up saying, we got her for bronze. And I was like, you did it. And she's like, I think I got a little more in me too. This is the first time back into an international scene in many, many years. So she's getting her feet wet. Um, she's already in the 420s. Plun's in the 420s. Uh, Megalie Smith in the 420s. All three of them have hit heavier and can take it heavier into the 430s, uh, whether it's on the platform or just in gym totals. And then you got just in France alone, Shizuka, as well as um, obviously who's uh, in the 430s, 438. I think she hit 430 around that range, 438.5, maybe even at the French national scene. And then you got Noam Alibur, who's in the 440s, mm-hmm. not internationally on the national scene, but uh, I'm sure Sheffield. So this is 52s are absolutely freaking stacked. Um, now that I'm almost talking myself into saying the maybe it's the 52s, that's <laughs> the hottest division. It's tough though. What they don't have there. is the storylines where Agata is a world champion, Jess is a world ta- champion. Oh, by the way, of a world record holder, all three different. You know, it's three different crowns you can have, three different ladies. In 52s, it's a dominant Noemi. So that's the difference where you don't have to 2024, you watch this space. I think the 52s is going to get real gnarly because those storylines will be happening as these very, some of the very young lifters keep improving. So, yeah. Megan Lee Smith is young. Yeah, I was going to say, go ahead, Roy. I was going to say that uh, one thing that's worth pointing out with Megan Lee Smith is she makes very good attempt selection. Um, Like the the opening miss deadlift aside, like out of her 13 meets now, she's missed a grand total of two squats, um, never missed a third squat. And, and she's not sandbagging, right? Like every time they're taking either what's there or maybe two and a half kilos less than what's there. Um, and, and if she can keep that up and if she can resolve her sort of like up down movements on the, on the deadlifts, like that's, she's already dangerous. Like she's going to be a real weapon by, you know, 2023, 2024. In the Asian championships as well, um, Farhana, who pulled, I think she's got 201 deadlift. Yeah. Now. I don't know if she, she, she's got the deadlift world record in the 52s. Um, I don't know where her total's at, but I'm, I say, I don't have the, 
I should probably pull this up right now. I couldn't find it online in terms of the the results from the Asian Championships, but she's in the mix as well. And she's obviously got a killer deadlift. Yeah, for whatever reason, for the Asian Championships on good lift, it doesn't show yeah. the previous day results. You'd have to like maybe pull up the live stream. So yeah, I didn't I didn't see what she did but yeah just mentioning uh megan lee smith as well like she had just missed out on the 95 percent for sheffield at worlds but now in two new zealand meets she's been hitting 420s uh, but i wasn't even thinking about this other lifter that you brought up uh kavishi uh she's gone from a 390 to a 408 so who mm -hmm. knows what she can progress on top of that next year she can be into that 95 percent at that point too obviously depends on what noemi pushes the world record up to but then you have potentially other options there other than Evie, you got Megan Lee Smith, you got Kavishi, you got Carlina, other people who could potentially be podiuming at Worlds and trying to get a Sheffield spot. Any more highlights, gentlemen, from the Commonwealth as we scan over this? Um, yep. yep, let's let's I, hear them, buddy. You came prepared. Uh, yep, uh, Rory and I touched base before him. He's got, uh, I think, one more on the men's side, and I've got one more on the women's. Um, an 84-plus. Uh, Brittany Schlater from Canada. Oh, yeah. Former world champ, right? right. Um, yeah, she had the highest total in the comp at 632. And she put herself in a position where she actually took a shot at the highest deadlift in uh, the IPF women's history. She tried to pull 262. So she got a uh, Commonwealth record on both her squat and bench. I think the squat was 250.5. The bench was 149. And... Just to, she has more than 632, which I think is an important thing to point out because she missed her opener on deadlifts at 232 and a half and then got it on the second. And then she decided, you know what, load it up at 262. I'm, I want to get the, the biggest deadlift. And it it wasn't that close. I don't want to lie, but it, there was it like it was it was a legitimate attempt. It wasn't like it didn't come off the ground. Right. So, you know, she thought it was there and it was pretty cool. People were, were excited like, oh, shit. And uh, yeah, that was a nearly a 30 kilo jump to to try to get that uh, that that third attempt. So, I mean, if you think about what if she'd taken 245, 250, we're looking at like a, you know, a 650 ish total, which is which is something to. That's to huge. Be like, oh, yeah, that's that's approaching, <laughs> you know, some of some of the top lifters and oh, the top lifter in 84 plus. Right. So uh, that that was pretty cool to see it. It, um, it didn't end up going, but just to see someone attempt it is a big deal. Yeah, why not? Sometimes you're in the moment. You have Canada's team points for the gold medal. Um, you got the gold medal for yourself as well, and you're like, let's load up. If you're feeling mm -hmm. so inclined, this is the way. This is the place to do it, and it's an official world record if you can. Um, and that place was rocking, man. In terms of a vibe, if you ever gonna have a vibe to do it, that was the place. Yeah, so I I believe the calculus from the Canadian team was sewn up the win. What can we do to? make the biggest impact um and they're like biggest biggest deadlift ever let's see what happens mm -hmm. um, and and i think they played that right like if you were in that room it was electric yeah yeah no you, you might as well go for it and um what that would have done for her total as well like already just with her opening weight uh is 632 and again like eric said that was with her opening weight deadlift so she's capable of more and that's mm -hmm. 632, which is very respectable. And how that could have also, like, another throw on another 30 kilo if she got it and she's in the 660s. Now you're talking the biggest puller in all the IPF and a contender for a world title once again, uh, whether Bonica's there or not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. A little bit of 
you might as well push all your chips to the center of the table and just go for it all. It looks like her PR was 617.5. So she already had a PR total with that 632. And I watched the the squam bench. She sandbagged those a little bit. Like I think she conservatively had two and a half or five kilos more on the squat and maybe let's say put another two and a half kilos on the bench. So now you're maybe at 640. And then you take a more moderate uh, deadlift and then you're getting to what you said. She Her PR deadlift is 250. So now you're looking at that 650, 660. Even if she's not necessarily on Bonica's level, she's now up there with, you know, Sunita, Leach, Miezer, all those uh, group that are, you know, placing well at Europeans and at Worlds. Yeah, she's a podium favorite for sure, if nothing else. And she's been to Worlds before, so she knows, you know, that she's not accustomed. And serves the note, man. She did a hell of a travel. All these people, like Canada is a far travel to get to New Zealand. So um, she almost pulled it off. Who knows? Maybe Malta, a much more favorable travel. What kind of deadlift might be in there? What kind of numbers might be in there? This is like a worst case scenario in terms of um, day change, time zone change. Like us just organizing this freaking podcast is difficult. It was, what is it? 18 <laughs> hours between us? You guys are literally, we're in two different days right now. And the future's bright. <laughs> it is, it is like, better here. You, better er, 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 Eric's like, Ryan, I got to save your life. I got to tell you what happens tomorrow morning. I seen it. My God, don't get in the car. Don't get in the car, Ryan. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I always say, though, it would be nice like every once in a while, even if it's like every, you know, seven years or 10 years to have a world in like an Australia or New Zealand so everyone else can experience what the lifters from Australia and New Zealand have to do every single year coming to Europe or North America. I will, I will say it felt a little bit like vindication seeing like, you know, the English team show up in New Zealand and be like, wow, I feel like shit. Um, and, yeah, you do. And, and all the New Zealand athletes are like, yeah, every time we go to an international, except for this one time, every time, that's what we deal with. Um, so, and that, I, like, I, I don't want people to have bad performances, but it's, it's nice to be on the other end of yeah, it. Yeah, you change. do. Yeah. I tell you what, at the end of the 17 hour flight to Dubai, I want everything bad for everyone. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but but it's definitely a factor. So everyone gets so experiencing it. And people will obviously say, oh, oh well, you know, Carlina hit 600 when she didn't have to travel. But you can say the same thing for like the performances at the Arnold USA, like Ray Williams' best yeah. numbers or Blaine Sumner's best numbers, whereas in USA versus when they have to travel a world. So like you have those meets where you can get that home field advantage and do well. And then the world, you know, you have to travel wherever it is and just try and win. When do they announce when the, and we're going to get to the men's in one sec, where are you, uh, I'm not moving along. I just want to, when do they announce where the next um, Commonwealth is? Is it already? Right. So there was a big announcement at the banquet, actually. And so maybe maybe we'll talk about that really quickly. Um, so they have decided to split Commonwealths into Commonwealth Bench Press Championships and Commonwealth Powerlifting Championships. Mm -hmm. And so what used to happen is Commonwealth Powerlifting Championships would be every year uh, sorry, every second year on the odd numbered years. Of course, last year was postponed due to COVID, but this was supposed to be 2021. Um, so what they're going to do going forwards is starting from next year. So 2023 will be the Commonwealth Bench Press Championships. And then the following year, 2024, will be Commonwealth Powerlifting Championships. And they're going to alternate those each year uh, for the foreseeable future. And I think they said, did they say South Africa for the bench press? And they didn't announce the three lift yet. Is that right, Eric? Or I didn't hear that. Sorry, buddy. Okay. They, they, yeah. So, so splitting the events. So we can look forward to a, a bench press championships for the Commonwealths next year and then uh, 2024 for the next three lifts. 
I I wonder where they're gonna. I wonder if Canada can get that fucking Commonwealth. It, it's certainly possible because, like, of the countries that are competing, the ones that are normally hosting international meets are like you know New Zealand, Canada, um, maybe Australia sometimes, and South Africa. But like England even isn't really hosting international stuff other than Arnold, and then like you know Scotland or uh, Ireland that stuff aren't hosting anything. Uh, should we should we list off the countries that we're competing? Because I don't think we did that. Um, yeah, that might be helpful. There's you have a whole list. I have a list, yeah. You do? Okay, do it, yeah. New Zealand, Australia, Canada, Wales, England, Scotland, India, Guyana, South Africa, Northern Ireland, Malaysia, and Isle of Man. Um, and then uh, I believe Brunei. Pakistan. Uh, sorry, Brunei. That, that was the other one. Yeah, Brunei. Do we? Okay. Was there Sri Lankan or no? Did Sri Lanka not have any lifters? Sri Lanka was on the nominations but didn't show up. Uh, Pakistan That's was on the right. nominations but didn't pay their fees. And so we're not allowed to lift. Damn. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yep. So maybe um, 2024 you get one in Canada, uh, Ryan. It's quite possible. Uh, we've hosted a lot of international meets. What do you guys feel about the splitting of? Do you like that? Or do you... Do you, here's, here's, here's my thoughts. Let me throw this out here. Let me, let me set the table, if you will. I like... On an inter- on a calendar year, we have another international competition, and it's guaranteed. You don't have to wait two years for the next Commonwealth. And we already know Commonwealth is pretty exciting stuff. On the flip side, um, those together make it a bigger event. And I like the impact that I saw in the videos. It doesn't matter if the bench, like the bench people are there. Their family is there. People travel from Canada, from the U.K., um, all over the world for this event, if they show up, they're going to stick around for the three lift, even if they're not competing in it. You're bringing people in for it. When you take those people away, there isn't going to be as many people in the stadium. There isn't going to be as many people hanging around period. You're not going to have as many people coaching, et cetera, that are going to be around for all of it is split and divided. I think it's a bigger, it'll feel like a bigger event when you're there watching the videos, the attendance, the amount of athletes and coaches, I think it'll in just pooling the funds in terms of people paying the fees is going into one event, one venue. So there's 700 people paying money for one venue. That's going to be a really good venue. Split that pool. You got less money you're paying, you're playing with for everything. And that is the one thing that I feel like we climax with this Commonwealth and it, it got the feel that we all wanted. In terms of like, it felt like a Euros. It felt like, you know, a, a level below Worlds, maybe a level below USAPL Nats. But, but well, it depends on the year, right? But it, it was, it was like, it, well, no, it's going to be a level below that. But it, it well, was. you have to be able to see USAPL Nats instead of just like graphics of exploding well, things. Yeah, my bad, my bad. But, um. You know what I mean? So there's the two. However, on the flip side, I do understand the calendar year is now full and every year you have a Commonwealth championship, which is nice, which so, and and then more nations can get more international exposure with this because you have more events to play with. So there is pros and cons. Fellas, sell me on one way or the other. Am I crazy? Right. I am not going to sell you on one way or another because I have mixed feelings about it. Um, so I, I think split, splitting it does mean that it is a way more manageable event to run. Um, there was 600 and something lifters, 627 lifters at this event. Uh, there was however many referees, however many volunteers. There was two platforms running three sessions across like uh, like seven days. It is freaking enormous. It is hard. Like that, that is a hard thing to run. 
and splitting it makes it more manageable. And if we want people to keep running good events, we need to not wreck their lives to get it done, right? Like people spent, I don't want to throw Evie under the bus, but she was like, when she was supposed to be working, she was replying to Commonwealth's emails and organ and like organizing stuff in her lunch break and working into the evenings and like all of that kind of stuff to try and get this event organized. And the less that we impact people's lives like that, the more likely we are to be able to continue to host good meets in the future. So that is that is one good thing about splitting it. Personally, as a pro- predominantly bench press athlete and also a, a person who likes to coach at international events, having a, a bench only Commonwealth makes it way more likely that one day I'm going to be able to compete on an international stage again because I'm going to be able to w- go there and focus on that and do one thing, do my do my bench press, um, and and that'll be great. Instead of whereas if I had gone to compete at Commonwealths this time, I would have had to be you know, refing one day, coaching one day, like lifting one day. And it's all very tumultuous and like quite, quite hard logistically. Um, and then, as you said, there's also the, um, the impact factor and that a bench press meet is simply not as big as a three lift meet. Um, like as much as I like bench press, I know that not everybody does. And they are like a bench press meet is a little bit lower energy. They take a little bit less time. They're sort of generally the production quality is not as good for a bench press meet as it is for a, for a major three lift event. And there is a risk that if we have Commonwealth bench press champs, that meet is just going to be a little bit less vibrant than a, a three lift Commonwealths or a, or a combined Commonwealths. Eric, looks like you wanted to jump in. I have very similar feelings. I think um, just knowing personally, a lot of the people who spent a lot of time trying to organize this, I legitimately worry if they were like, hey, you guys did such a great job. Let's do Commonwealth again. They go, hey, I'm quitting the NZPF <laughs> because like like they were like Rory and I spent a significant amount of time uh, trying to pull Evie off, like checking banquet ticket door duty to just get her to sit down and have a drink after competing and doing all that stuff. And then she ran away to go to something else somewhere else that was not sitting down to have a drink. Um, John Strachan. You know, he was coaching, he was going to compete, and he was also helping the organization, pulled out of the competition because it was just too much. And he was one of a number of lifters who decided not to compete because they were running the event. So I think if I was, if I just watched the event, or even if I just wasn't coaching or didn't have any athletes in it, and I was not connected with, you know, I didn't have friends who were on on the committee of NZPF and APA, then I would have the exact same opinion as you, Ryan, like, oh, they're stronger together. But just seeing just how much it takes out of people, I think the the downside really it disproportionately negatively affects the Commonwealth Bench Press Championships. I think the Bench Press Champions Championships benefit far more from being attached to the the Commonwealth, uh, you know, full meet versus the other way around. I think it's unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, the the benefits of getting all the bench athletes there on game day and their families and their friends and boosting the numbers a little bit. I'm not sure that that's worth the cost of just having that more work for the people involved. Cause this is, you know, NZPF is not at the point where people are getting like remunerated. Re- it's a hard word uh, or, or taken care of the way they really should for the amount of volunteering they're doing. And I hope that's something we can change in the future, but maybe, maybe if that happens, if there's a bigger staff and they're, they're actually being able to take time off and not lose money from it. Arian, what are your thoughts? Or you've ran a lot of meets, been a, been associated with a lot of these kind of competitions. Same thing as these guys are saying. There's pros and cons to each. Yes, putting off the bench press may hurt the bench press as far as like um, where it gets hosted or who wants to host or how much money they can put into it. If it's going to be, let's say, like 50 lifters or 70 lifters rather than being attached to this meet that's like 500 plus. Um, but like these guys said, it's a big undertaking. 
um, from all aspects. And, um, you know, yeah, you're getting more revenue by having more lifters and more spectators like that, but it's not necessarily that just more lifters is going to be more revenue and more profit because it, it kind of like goes in a wave. Like at a certain point it's beneficial. And then you hit a limit where you, maybe you go to another platform and now your expenses just went up. You have to have more referees, bars and lowers, everything like that mm. equipment. And then the money goes up again. once you fill the cap of what a two platform meet is and then drops off again. So it depends on where exactly you fall into that range. But also it may be like, what if a country doesn't want to host a seven day meet or doesn't have nine or 10 combo racks to host a seven day meet? What if a meet director doesn't want to put the time investment? Let's say like Jeff, Butt just ran masters world. He's like, I don't want to do this whole one week thing again, but I'll run like a two day bench commonwealth. So you can potentially get better opportunities for meet directors and locations. If you're trying to sell to them something smaller rather than this huge undertaking. So what does, how do you think? Cause I think the, the bench Commonwealth is going to take the biggest hit. I think Eric's right there. In terms of the two, look at bench is is a, a tough sell. Period. Rory's being gentle when he was using. It would be a little less exciting and a little less. Uh, well, okay, you could, right? you he's very carefully he's talking like a politician, being very kind and watching his words there. But um, then the Commonwealth as well. You know, like the bench world is tougher to, to you know, sell often. So the Commonwealth is going to be below that. The bench Europeans is going to be tough. The Commonwealth is probably below worlds and Europeans. I do worry what's that, what that might be, uh, what that's going to look like. But, you know, some nations that will meet otherwise not have an international competition now can get one and can get their feet wet with holding a, an international competition and understanding what that's like accommodating people from all over the world. So that's good. Maybe some budding nations that ordinarily would never win a bid for an international competition now can win that bid. And now some, some places like, you know, other, other parts, whatever we just went through like Guyana or whatever. I have no idea. I'm just throwing us out there, but other nations now it's far more feasible. So there's goods, there's pros and cons there. But what do we think the three lift will look like? How would that impact the three lift? The schedule remains the same. It's every two years, but you don't have the bench. Um, Eric, you touched on it a little bit in terms of, uh, yeah, those bench people aren't there. The the people who came for the bench people aren't there. But do you think it impacts it much? Do you think it takes away much? Or do you think it's going to keep that feel? Because I really enjoyed what I saw coming out of there. Mm. Rory, do you think that we would have been able to run one platform if we didn't have the bench? Uh, yeah, I think so. It would have been a little bit trickier because so we have the basically it was the classic three lift on one platform, which was, of course, the premier event is the, the classic three lift and in particular the open classic three lift. And then the second platform was which was by no means like an inferior platform. It was still a great, great space, great warm up space, but it was it was a little bit smaller. Um, and that was really that was all of the bench only classic and equipped um and i'm going to say all of the equipped i'm not 100 percent sure but i think it was all of the equipped was on that as well and there was just fewer equipped competitors so i think if we'd only if we hadn't had the bench only we would have been a little tighter on scheduling because we would have had to move the equipped three lift lifters onto the main platform but i think that would have been okay um mm -hmm. I, I really think it was the bench only that sort of pushed it over the top especially because some of the teams said enormous bench only teams right so yeah. you go sub junior junior open m one two three four 
times two for male and female times two for classic and equipped. That's basically how many equipped bench, uh, basically how many bench presses in DSN, for example. Um, there was so so like there were some very large teams. There were a lot of bench only athletes. Yeah. So so given that Ryan, I, I think if we were able to keep it to a single platform, I think it would have been a, like a even though it wouldn't it would it would have been a it would have been a non-linear reduction in the ease of running it in my opinion it would have disproportionately made it a little bit easier on everybody um like for example the reason i ended up coaching uh an additional bench only athlete is because Rory was coaching on the platform he could physically couldn't be in two places at the same time and that happened multiple times um there was having talked to the coaches some of them were like oh i'm coaching someone in this session so i think there was <laughs> i'm not going to say any names but there was probably less than the ideal level of prep and communication with the athletes, with the, with the platform coaches, because it was just a lot. Um, people not only had their own athletes because, you know, New Zealand brought a big team. We had an A team, we had a B team. Um, so there was a lot of people with, with athletes that were coaching. And then occasionally, because we have some pretty prominent coaches here in New Zealand, um, you know, they, they had athletes from other countries, you know, like Kendrick Kwan is an example. Um, uh, so, yeah. I, and I had, I, I know a lot of the coaches around here and I know that it was a big strain on them. So I had it relatively easy. So trying to put myself in their shoes, I think they probably would have appreciated it if there would have been one platform because it would have made lives a little bit easier and people's game plans a little more lock solid and therefore the athletes feeling a little more confident in, in their position. Well, there's one coach that wasn't there. I asked Carlina, she said she didn't see him. No Brett Gibbs. Anybody know what's going on with this young man? Uh, I, I believe I, Brett recently started a new job, um, and he has caught up with starting a new job. Ah, totally on powerlifting related. Yep, I'm on I'm, I'm powerlifting related. So Brett had athletes there. Um, I helped coach one of them, um, but no, he was uh, he's he's occupied with uh, non powerlifting things a little bit at the moment. Because I was really one of the things I was looking for was it's I mean New Zealand. Yeah, so whenever I think I'm from that era, when I think New Zealand, I'm thinking Brett Gibbs, and um, I thought, man, we're going to see Brett Gibbs popping around in there, handing in attempt cards and in the crowd, and it's going to be some pop. But uh, so that kind of hurt a little bit for guys like me who are looking for, like, IPF has come back to New Zealand. Let's see Brett Gibbs around, but it is what it is. Um, do you think he might be, do you know, Rory, is he going to be, like, so he's still coaching or whatnot, and he's staying in the game in that respect? Yep, yep. He's he's still coaching. He's still got a lot of athletes in New Zealand. Um, yeah, still still generally involved, but just wasn't at Commonwealth this time. It's it's really a big ask on people to say, hey, can you take a week off work to come and like be at this event? And like, right. So there was a lot of people who were you know in for a session or two and then ducked back to work for the rest of the you know rest of the day or and things like that. And, and he doesn't live in Auckland, so and he doesn't live oh. in Auckland. He lives he lives like. I, almost a 10 hour drive from Auckland. Holy like shit. Okay, never mind. I, um, I don't think you appreciate quite how how big New Zealand actually is. No, like, no, it's um, adorable yeah. when I hear that coming from Canada. No, New Zealand adorable. is the same is the same length as California. Is so, it really old? Yep. Damn, okay. Yeah. It's That's two thirds of the landmass, so it's a little skinnier, but it's yeah. it's like it it's it's not a it's not a tiny little island. <laughs> so what? it's it's pretty big. What I legit, I mean, logistically wasn't going to happen, but if it came, I would have freaking even had like Brett there for like some kind of a ceremony, something for what he's done with like, you know, powerlifting in New Zealand and being the first open world champion. It was in all these showdowns and whatnot. 
Like that's what I would have tried for something. But I mean, I mean, logistics play a role as well, right? They're like, and now the opening ceremony, Brett Gibbs. <laughs> well, I would have had him, or even at the even the closing or something. If he imagine it, kick, imagine it kicks off. Imagine because I know they did uh the all blacks, the dance they do. Shit, I forget the name of it. Haka. Haka. And um, and imagine Brett Gibbs kicked off with some kind of some kind of a speech. Some kind of a give him hell, give him hell speech. And everybody like, oh shit, let's rock and roll. Brett Gibbs just said, give him hell. The home nation. And you guys, I don't know. This is the things that I would have, uh, I don't know, I would have lost it if I saw that. I love how, how like, in, in your mind, like, Brett Gibbs is like Mickey, like Rocky's coach. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I know this might not be Brett at all to give a motivational speech. I'm just making up it. Like somehow head. being, being away from the sport for like three years, he, he's become like a 65 year old <laughs> legend of, of powerlifting. And I'm like, you know what? Back when I was the open champion, you guys go there and give him hell. <laughs> you you miss your hell. second deadlift and you come off and it's Brett on the side and he pulls you in for like the pep talk of your life and you come back and hit it on your third. That's yeah. right. He's like, defend we're, we're our firemen. <laughs> That's like, we're firemen. We love the fire. We move the fire. It was like, God damn, Brett was drinking today and he's very <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> like, wow. I, I took it as like Ryan's thinking more uh, American style, like, you know, Brett comes out wearing his his flag and he's got his gun. The crowd goes, wow, Brett Gibbs, Brett. This is what I'm thinking is the American movie where that's what they would have done in like, if it was American football, you bring in the guy, the local legend, and he gives a little speech before they started up. You know what I mean? Eric, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and then the Al Bundy talking about how he played football back in the day. Everybody gets proud right. of Tell a yeah. war story and throw the mic down yes. and whatever. It is what it is. I feel like there might be some cultural differences there that would make bit. that not not yeah. land quite the same. Uh, yeah, though Brett yeah. would be like, "The fuck, I'm not doing that." I'm yeah, no. Not... Instead, we have tall poppy syndrome. We don't. Have that. Yeah, it's a little different. So, what's a yeah. tell me about the men's kind sorority? Uh, speaking of, right. So I've got a, I've got a couple of highlights from the men. Um, so in the equipped men's bench press um garrett bentley benched 322 kilos and like that's not super close to like it was very cool to watch though like so he took 315 on his opener missed 322 on a second it looked like he couldn't quite pop one of his uh, uh one of his elbows out um but then came back and got it on his third um and so that was really cool to watch he um that was the second day of the lifting first day he coached the entire day came in second day best equipped bench presser and let's just say best bench presser in the commonwealths um straight back to coaching like not even the next day like after his session straight back to straight back to coaching so that was that was pretty cool and gary uh, i'll what, throw this in there too national team head coach for canada at the world championships national team um, head coach yeah. won us uh you know a lot of key battles work with eric's um Yep. Uh, Jess for winning Canada that key battle as well with Jeff Button like like other things too like he's done whatever a great job yeah, he's a great guy it was actually great to meet Garrett he's just so down to earth and he seems to have a real genuine connection with the team and I, I made sure to made it a point to express how much appreciation I have for the work he does he just and did so um, I was just going to add Roy Garrett had just done the uh, Ontario Provincials as well a few weeks ago he competed both raw and equipped there and he benched 322 equipped there Turns around a couple of weeks later and goes there and hits three twenty two point five. That's pretty great. 
Yeah, so I believe the original plan was 340, um, and he he did his second attempt. It was like, okay, well, today is not the day to try the new shirt and and try and try load 340. Um, so just like took the took the 322 again. Um, and so I, I for the for people who don't know, when you're in the back for days on end coaching, you end up with like quite a good working relationship with these people. So I'll say Garrett is, is really great to to work with as well. Shared a rack a lot of times, and even when we weren't, we were sort of you know in the same room working quite hard for quite long hours for, for the week. And so, yeah, great dude. He was actually one of the guys that pulled me aside with the Leah Bava rumor that I made her miss oh. weight by taking her out for dinner. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, dude, is it real? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, what the, f- don't tell me that it got to you too. And he's like, dog, it is flying around back here in the warm up room. Cause they're in all the warm up. Like, are you serious, man? But anyways, uh, so a couple of other highlights from the from the men's um, and the classic three left Leonardo. Uh, I'm going to get this name wrong. Sukitra um, Sus- from I think it's Su Su Susitra. I think Susitra. Um, Leo, sorry, I'm butchering your name. Um, from from Australia. Uh, so he totaled uh, 737.0 at 74, which not super close to the 800-ish world record. But there are some years that that would have won world the world championships. Um, so outstanding performance. That's a 108 good lift points, which is like anything over 100 really is 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 good, right? Um, mm. It's great, great showing from him. Um, also, that's a 10 times body weight for him. He weighed in at 73.7. And oh, as I catch. Yeah, as I understand it, that is the first ten times body weight in Australia in that weight class. So, oh, was no a, shit. oh wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously Tim went eight hundred, so he went to 90, 185, 325 uh, for eight hundred total. That's one hundred eleven good lift points, um, and that made him uh, best overall male. Let me double check that. Yes, best overall male. So that was that was very cool as well. Um, and like I was saying earlier, I I don't know for sure, but if I was giving out wild cards for Sheffield, that would put him at least in contention for one of the wild cards for like Oceania representative for, for the men and and in a weight class, which is interesting, very close to Delaney, um, and the exact same total as won the Europeans just a few hours beforehand. Well, quick question about that, and that's right, Jurens. Shout out to Jurens. We're going to have him back for the European recap. His three hundred squat. 300 kilo squat 661 that he missed in the pool. What do those look like, sir? Uh, of of Tim's. Of Tim's, that's right. Do you remember? Oh gosh, I don't remember specifically right now. Sorry. No worries. You guys see? You guys? It sounds like it was nuts. So <laughs> it is what it is. But that Long 10 days. kilos that he lost, um, the 10 kilos he lost on the squat, and the five he lost on deadlift. I mean, we're talking 815, obviously. Like that's where again, I, I was wondering if. If it was relatively close or not, because if it was E15, well, what are we talking here? This is, you know. I mean, I, I seem to remember they were like fairly smart attempts. Like, I don't remember watching them, but I remember seeing the number go up and be like, yeah, that seems seems reasonable. Um, I was refereeing that session and I was trying really hard not to be like, you know, go go to go to I'm like, OK, no. Yeah. Coaching off like I am. I am in referee mode. Um, so. Fair enough. Uh, I'm looking uh, on his Instagram prob- right now to see if I can find. But it looks like he just posted the ones he made. So Rory that's probably fair. called him on depth, and that's why he misses three. I was going to say, how is his depth? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I did call him on depth. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't remember. Um, and so the other, the, the the last one that I will mention from the classic men is um, Terry Malafau from from New Zealand. Uh, so he totaled eight nine forty six in the super heavyweight class. 
Um, and he so he deadlifted 371 for a Commonwealth record on his second attempt and then took a shot at 380.5 for what was the final deadlift of the entire meet. Um, and he didn't get it, but it was uh, that was a very exciting moment, I have to say. Uh, the the crowd was pumping, the music was so loud, I couldn't hear myself thinking. Um, but uh, yeah, I seem to remember they got it uh, like above his knees and I uh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't finish it. He's got a monster deadlift on him. Um, he missed his third squat bench and deadlift. If he can hit those, he'll he'll float his title up. I mean, it'd be nice to see him get closer to the thousand kilo mark. Uh, and and fairness, um, he he timed out his last bench press attempt. Um, he, ah. took the 240, he took the two forty two. Uh, was reasonably hard. Decided not to take another attempt, so just put in two forty five and left it. Didn't fit and, the first and I'm not opposed to something like that. You could tighten up your lower back on the bench press for sure. Um, and save it, especially if he knows, like, I'm not going to drain myself for five kilo when I'm going all in on this deadlift. And that's probably what the game plan was. Look, a, a 371 kilo deadlift is a nice deadlift to finish off the day. It's always good when you got nice. one of the big boys. It's a nice deadlift. <laughs> yeah. So well, he's a young dude as well. Yeah. He's a young yeah. guy. And it's good to have like a big puller in the field. So the last pull is going to be something big. So you want to treat the people. So I respect the fact that he's like throw up 380.5, um, extend the Commonwealth world record, but he did take New Zealand, uh, got them netted them a Commonwealth world record to cap off the 120 pluses. And um, yeah, the 120 or sorry, the men's division, it's New Zealand, Australia, Canada, Wales, and England in that order for the one, two, three, five, Tim Monagati, um, Leonardo in second for the best lifter. And then Cavua, from New Zealand. So you guys got a lot of the best lifters as well, men's and women's, as well as the national team titles. This was an all round win for New Zealand. I think we're on board with that. Oh, absolutely. And, and yep. I think that we'll see a lot of these people coming in and uh, Malta and Romania next year, like the, the classic open and the classic juniors. I think we're going to see strong showings from New Zealand teams. Mm -hmm. I would agree. There's a real strong team out here and it's growing yeah. and there's a lot of young people. And I know you guys can't speak for New Zealand powerlifting, but after how the Commonwealth was run, as far as the venue, the equipment, everything that was done, and the amount of lifters you went through, you think you guys could legitimately hold a world championship as well? And it would it'd be a world championship caliber being in New Zealand? I don't want to speak for New Zealand powerlifting. And I think everybody needs a good rest after that. And that because that was... That was a lot for a very long time and and particularly because it ended up being extended basically this event ended up having to be completely organized from scratch twice because it was organized first for 2021 cancelled and then had to be reorganized for 2022 and so this entire event got got fully organized twice including the, i believe the original venue getting pulled out from under them relatively mm -hmm. late in the game having to find a new appropriate venue and all of oh. those things um and can you imagine that was our b venue how, how good would the a venue have been um <laughs> right so I think if New Zealand chose to host the World Championships, they would be able to do an outstanding job. If that was going to happen, it would not be in the, the immediate future. I don't think it would be. It would be a little way in the future. Well, how much of a experience factor is this going to help, though? Having done this international competition for a nation, this is why things like Euros and the Commonwealth and and whatnot, and Euros has East. Uh, east and west as well they split it up so this is where nations like who might even be overly ambitious putting in bids for worlds it's like okay try this first 
And, so and, one of the things that I think this is particularly useful for is that uh, powerlifting history lesson. I'm going to drag everyone back to, uh, so Eric mentioned 2013, there was the uh, Commonwealth Championships held in New Zealand. And then in 2016 was the combined Asia-Oceania Championships, which is not the same as the Asia-Pacific Championships, but it was a separate event for Oceania and Asia uh, combined regionals. And that was held in Christchurch in 2016. 2018, uh, Powerlifting Australia and Robert Wilkes kicked out of the IPF. Um, they dragged a lot of what was before then the New Zealand Powerlifting Federation leadership with them. And so they split off and made their own federation called World Powerlifting in New Zealand. And that happened in 2018. And so... Although New Zealand had reasonably recent experience running these meets, 2016, 2013, these like reasonably large scale meets, um, the people who actually ran it were gone and the institutional knowledge was largely lost. Mm. And so I'm I'm going to say that in effect, this was the first big meet that New Zealand has run internationally because the people who ran it previously uh wasn't it wasn't documented super well so it wasn't like we could go back and be like this is the process they followed last time and those people were gone so we couldn't rely on their experience or those people were mostly gone there was a few of them still around um and so this was like largely reinventing that from scratch based on the the experience from running things like national championships um so all of that is to say that this is great experience for mm -hmm. being able to run things in the future because now we've sort of rebuilt that institutional knowledge a little bit. Um, and I think that that helps a lot when, when trying to do something ambitious like this again. Got the same vibe there, Eric, you think, cause you were there on the scene. You're thinking this is probably not ready for worlds just yet. Maybe a little time, but everybody steps back, takes a look at what they did. And it's a lot easier to wrap your head around worlds. Yeah, I think to, to exactly to Rory's point, you know, I was there at our post-nationals meeting where Robert Wilkes and Robert Keller were, to put it nicely, fighting on stage <laughs> and, and arguing, stage. <laughs> arguing awesome. for the heart of NZPF. And, and we went from, you know, voting on whether we'd, we'd stay to promises that the leadership would stay to that changing in some cases and others not. And then we all know what happened with with uh with wp after that and now we've had all the lifters from w not all many of the lifters from wp and those other feds come back and we've had a lot of really awesome but also young um, people volunteer into positions of, of leadership and nzpf which i will say very confidently and even if and i don't mean this dis disrespectfully to, to what the committee used to look like it's a good thing i think the the way it's being ran now is uh, a, a significant step up and uh, i think like there's no there's no replacement for experience but at the same time just because things were done a certain way doesn't mean they can't be done better and i'm actually really looking forward to the future because now we have a combination of a really good working team uh, with a lot of innovative hard-working people who care and are passionate uh, and now they have the experience so i i think commonwealth was ran very well um the only critiques I have are that there was a cost to people's time, energy, mental health, their own personal competitive aspirations. But I don't think anyone from the outside saw that. You only know that because Rory and I are telling you about it. For sure. So I think as so from the outset, I from the outside, I'm sure someone who just attended the the competition or watched the live stream is like, yeah, this man, they could host worlds. And I think the capability is there. But but like Rory says, the recovery needs to be there. They need to deload, folks. And <laughs> uh and then I think 
once that happens, this experience will be something that we're, yeah, that, that that's viable. And I think it'd be pretty cool to see. Might just need um, more people involved if possible. Potentially. potentially. Eric, I, 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 I want to see what you think about this, but I, I am going to say that as of, as of this week, NZPF, I think, has properly now recovered from the world powerlifting split four years ago. And I think I think this week is where I can really say that with confidence because now we have the experience running the international meets again. We've got people with experience in the leadership positions again, albeit young, but that still means they've now got two, three, four years experience in those positions. Um, our international referee ranks have been refilled somewhat. There was a period there where I was the only active international referee we also had uh, uh graham graham fong but he's very elderly um and now we're up to six international referees again which is like a much healthier number and i think i think now we can say that we're probably in a stronger position than before that w- would you agree with that a hundred percent and probably what i'm a little more aware of is just on the coaching side um aut and a lot of the research i do and the whole reason i came out here is very tight links with NZPF, and that's strengthened over time And like a lot of, not a lot, but a handful of people have come over internationally to do their PhD work with me, specifically study powerlifting. Um, And now we have like some legitimate, like very highly skilled, extremely experienced, technically sound coaches. And I just see NZPF as a great spot on the coaching side. And that's also mirrored in terms of refs, everything. So I, I think it's really coming together quite nicely. And I think NZPF is a really... And is in a strong position right now. And I'm really excited to see what the New Zealand team can put together. I think it's going to be disproportionate to the size of the country as far as how much success we're going to continue to have. Uh, it's always been in powerlifting. I mean, in that whole region, it's it's remarkable. New Zealand is definitely a powerhouse. And look into the future. If Carlene in the hottest division could pull this off, you know, I mean, that'll be bittersweet for you, Eric, obviously, because it jet ties to Jess. But in terms of what it would do for New Zealand, what it does to have a world champion in a hot division, an open world champion for a nation. We've seen what it does when Brett did it. How many people, I remember in 2016, talking to kids in the crowd when I was part of the media team. And how many of them were like, I want to be like Brett Gibbs. How many of the juniors, sub-juniors are like, I want to be like Brett Gibbs. Brett Gibbs is gone now, but you need stars. You know, what I can tell you what like certain stars have done for France. It's freaking incredible what Leah Bavon, Penn, and these figureheads have done when you have someone to point to and be like, yeah, I want to be like that. I'm going to join. I think, I think we're starting to get range now as well, though, right? It's not just yes. it's not just one guy, one girl in a middleweight division. It's like we've got we've got people in the lightweights. Um, Megan Lee, middle contention. Megan Lee Smith can do it. Uh, Evie, middle contention. Uh, Donna Yee Lee in another couple of years, like middle, mm-hmm. middle contention. Um, kind of like we've got, we've got everything right from the, the lowest weight classes, right up to the very heaviest dudes, um, where we can look at and go like, we've got, we've got people across the entire spectrum, at least in the classic three lift that we can look at and go, Hey, look, there's people, no matter what you look like, no matter how old you are, no matter how big or small you might be, like there is somebody that you can look at and go, Hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to beat Terry. I'm going to beat megan lee smith i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take carlina's bench record right like there's 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 always somebody that you can look at now and and look up to and that's really cool yeah and there's also been a tremendous amount of growth on the women's side and that's something that i've noticed kind of just i mean obviously we've seen that broadly in powerlifting um and we're seeing that right like like you know there's a lot to say about the women's competition for commonwealth you know between everyone roy just mentioned and that is i think that vein's going to continue um, 
there was actually either one year ago or two years ago on the Olympic weightlifting side of the sport, they actually had more women registered than men. Um, so this, I'm, I'm connected with a lot of the, the local barbell sports and local, I'm sorry, the, the, the barbell sports in, here locally in New Zealand. Um, so I think there's a, a strong push here that's now starting to really kind of coalesce into there being, now you have all these leaders of female strength athletes who are interesting more people to, to, to follow in their footsteps and everything that Roy just said. So I think, especially on the women's side, we're going to see some, some really impressive battles come out with New Zealand neck and neck with some of the, the best in the world. It's going to be cool to see. The future looks bright. Listen, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think that Actually, is a- Rory, I got a question. I mean, uh, sorry, Ryan, I got there a question we- for you. Go Would ahead. you say, just picking random words here, that New Zealand perhaps has shooters? Would we say New Zealand's got shooters? Arian? What, I mean, what's you, the shooting put, level? What's the shooting level on these guys? Just like they they just said, I mean, you could potentially have a Megan Lee Smith, Evie, and Carlina all podiuming next year and coming back with with medals back to New Zealand. And on the men's side, you have uh, Tim, and then uh, who knows if like a Terry or one of these other guys goes to Worlds, what they could do. Okay, those are some that shooters. Was... New Zealand's got shooters. There we go. <laughs> now now we're, we just became relevant to powerlifting. Right? We, we did it. Good Thank job, you Eric. for coming on the podcast. Um, I appreciate it, fellas. I appreciate your time. We got to do this again. Uh, we crushed over two hours. We're like over one o'clock in the morning over here. It is what it is, man. I knew we were going to talk. We were saying beforehand, like, oh, what are we going to do? Like an hour or something? I'm like, oh, I got a feeling, man. We could all chat once we get all together. But um, let's let's definitely 100% do this again. And, and uh let's let's maybe when sheffield rolls around as well or maybe when nats pa nats because you're going to be a pa nats let's keep in touch nonetheless um rory arian as per usual you guys know how i feel about you eric how do people get a hold of you for for coaching well you can get a hold of 3d muscle journey for coaching because i am often not taking on new clients because i do so many crazy crap like decide i'm going to coach put out papers you know write books run around the world as you guys emailed me or messaged me to, to get on early, I wasn't available because I was apparently doing research. According to you guys, I was actually doing tricep pushdowns, but <laughs> I'm a busy man, but I am part of the support staff for our coaches at 3d muscle journey. We work with strength athletes and bodybuilders. So definitely check out 3d That is the number three, the letter D musclejourney.com. And you can find links to all of our content and information. If you just want to teach yourself, or submit an application, and we've got some great powerlifting coaches who'd be more than happy to work with you. And and your podcast, I've seen you just celebrated 200 episodes. We did. I, I'm, I'm sure we're far behind the number of the King of the Lift episodes. You guys do like what five a day or something like that. But we did two for tonight. Us, <laughs> there you go. Right. So you don't even know how many you've done. But for I don't. me and Omar, <laughs> 200 uh, in the bag. We've done it. Come out every single Monday, and anyone who tells you otherwise, uh, they are lying. And uh, we will be here till the end of time. So yeah, there it is. End man. of time. Wow. What's that? Yeah, to the end, end, of, time. end of time. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here, right. here, he'll stand on that ten toes down. Yeah. Right? It's okay. And um, if that ever is not true, I'll deny I ever said that, and that'll be canon too. So that's you just. Right. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on uh, and everybody listening as per usual, you know, subscribe or whatever platforms, give us high ratings as much appreciated tag us. And we will hit you back in the stories. If you want to debate some powerlifting by all means tag us, but 
make sure you come correct because we have done our research and our tricep pushdowns. Until next time, six-pack lap of that, six up, and we are out.